From the new Blackmore's Night Winter Carols, uh, Blackmore's Night, of course, anybody who's listened to the show at any point in the... Well, I, I think I only raved about it once, but if you know me, you know that I'm a big fan of Blackmore's Night, because it's that whole kind of renaissance rock thing that uh, yeah. nobody else does. But they're really cool, and uh, they have a new uh, holiday album out. It's all kinds of Christmas carols and, uh, and great, you know, sort of winter songs done in there very unique uh, renaissance rock way so good stuff check that out that is uh, Blackmore's Night Winter Carols and uh, Tim this is our holiday show yeah we've got Christmas all over the room here Christmas we used to get we used to do some other stuff too you know to have a few Hanukkah titles and things like that and uh, Mark got to sort of uh, <laughs> be Jewish for a minute or two on the on the show and um, all the all the companies that you know I mean there are a number of companies out there that do specifically Jewish titles uh, and uh, they haven't released anything Hanukkah related in quite a while. I don't really know why, but um, I, I think about that Adam Sandler. Oh, song. that was so terrible. That, that was just you know, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Nope, nothing Kwanzaa. I don't think there are any Kwanzaa songs. Not so really. you're good with me. And not, uh, worry about it. Diwali uh, really never factors in. There's no Diwali movies. <laughs> Uh, so whatever, um, but we've got a lot of stuff. So we've got we have some giveaways. We have some tremendous gifts. I gotta be honest. We have some tremendous stuff to give away. This may be like the mother of all years for our giveaways. I'll be honest. It's it's kind of amazing. And I'm, I'm kind of I'm sort of jealous. Uh, so we've got giveaways. We got interviews. Uh, we got little segments. We got all kinds of fun stuff. So, um, and all of this will also be uh, in a great big old hyperlinked list on cinegods.com. So, if you want to go find any of the stuff that we're talking about this week, the the you know the books, the other stuff, all these things, plus some other fun stuff, it's all going to be up there on uh, cinegods.com. And a great big old uh, holiday gift post with uh, links that'll take you to all this fun stuff. So, uh, that being said, you know we uh, we have a, a re- I'm going to start off with anime just because you know it'll uh, the people who love anime are a very particular group. Don't want to make them wait. So um, we're gonna we're gonna jump right into the uh, the really cool box set anime titles. Uh, Funimation has you know they, they Funimation this, Funimation does is right, and they really really do a great a lot of great stuff. But I'm gonna do the first two that I'm gonna do. Well, the first one is not a Funimation title; it's a shout title, and uh, it's called "In This Corner of the World" from uh, director Sunao Katabuchi. And uh, this is based on, like, as many of them are, on a manga, but it is, uh, it, this has a completely different look and style. This is, like, storybook style. I mean, it's still anime. It still looks like anime, but it has, it's a more gentle, uh, hand-drawn look. It's really, it's very storybook-like, and it's so sweet. And it's, um, it kind of goes in there with Grave of the Fireflies for wow. me. It's in that same kind of vein. It is just absolutely beautiful. It's about a young girl from Hiroshima, um, set during World War II. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Who she is set to be? This is before Hiroshima is bombed, and she's uh, she's supposed to be married uh, very very soon. And World War II is is raging, and um, 
it is uh, it, 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 it's just such a beautiful story and it is it's so it's so tender it's so sensitive it's so just vitally important to see it's an absolutely beautiful film uh, I, I cannot recommend this highly enough it, um, it it's called in this corner of the world it comes with blu-ray DVD and a digital download it is uh, it's just a wonderful wonderful thing so uh, definitely check that out um, whether you're an anime fan or not I I, I think even people who don't love anime will, will find all kinds of things to, to really love in that movie. Uh, and then there is, from Funimation, a Blu-ray DVD combo set of the movie that won, I believe, our animation award last year, Your Name. Oh, yeah. We gave that to Your Name, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. I, I remember. It came down because there were there were a couple of anime films in the A couple in the of running. big ones. And, uh, and like The but, Red Fox was... Yeah, was, yeah but, was but that one turned out to be... It is an extraordinary movie. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Uh, uh, so this is a Blu-ray DVD combo set from Funimation for uh, your name from the director Makoto Shinkai. And um, I was not familiar with him as a director before, but uh, it's really fascinating. It's a, I don't, it's not a body switching thing. It's like a, like a Prince, in the, it's almost like a sci-fi version of Prince and the Pauper, wouldn't you say? Yeah. People who yeah. switch lives. Yeah, yeah, they switch lives so, so completely teenage boy and girl. Yeah. Uh, it's just a perfectly lovely movie. It's great. It's so good. And uh, it's got some cool extras on here, too. Uh, there's an interview with the director and his filmography, and then there's a TV show that, uh, that gives you a whole lot of kind of uh, backstory on it as well, plus trailers. It's fantastic, your name. And then we get into the little more hardcore anime stuff for the, uh, the routine people who are really, really into this stuff. Uh, we have 91 Days, the complete series, which is on, uh, this is a, a special edition Blu-ray and, and a DVD combo pack. Uh, this is a uh, this is basically like anime prohibition and mobsters, oh. is what it is. Yeah, and uh, it, it it's uh, you know the the whole kind of um, culture splice of it that you're watching a genre that is not an anime genre done anime style is really kind of cool. It's really great animation. It is a beautiful box set. Uh, it's just you know nice slip cover. All these things have really really nice packaging. Uh, it's very film noir. Very so, film noir. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. great, great shadowy drawing. It, it's good. The really families cool all stuff. have those, these sort of quasi Italian esque names, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is interesting. That's great. It just you know it splits the difference between because Japanese gangster movies are one thing, anime is another thing, American mobster movies, movies are another. Yeah, yeah. This is somewhere kind of between all that stuff. And then we also have uh, Rosario and Vampire and Rosario and Vampire Capo Two, the complete series. Um, this is a, uh, I, I, again, a thing that I was not the least bit familiar with, but, uh, you know, gorgeous multicolored, uh, uh, vampire girls with multicolored hair. It's all kinds of, uh, really cool and kind of, this is the way that I think all the, uh, Twilight movies should yeah, have been. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's just, you know, gorgeous vampire stuff and a lot of supernatural convoluted storytelling, but it's still really kind of cool. And, uh... The animation is really cool. You'll dig it. Uh, so that is uh, Rosario plus Vampire, Rosario plus Vampire, Capo uh, 2. Never before been on Blu-ray. And then uh, we've also got Myriad Colors Phantom World, which is more schoolgirl stuff, but this is just, I, I want to make mention of it because it's just such a, such a gorgeous box set. It's just really nicely put together. Uh, this is an action-adventure series with just cute cool school cute school girls and um, you know they uh, they have special abilities let's just say um, 
kind of, you know, superhero-ish. A little bit X-Men-y. It's cool. Uh, so if, you know, you like schoolgirls with powers, you'll dig it. I love schoolgirls with power. <laughs> and we've got just a few more here. Um, this one is from Viz. People at Viz, another big anime house. This is One Punch Man. I love, uh, I, I love that series. It's a great, it's a great show, One Punch Man. Uh, the, from the you know the uh, the uh, anti disaster measures hero association, which has a great big seal on the back of this thing. Uh, you know, look, he's, uh, he's he's one punch man. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. It's also based on a mo- <laughs> yeah, seriously. Does. How do I even how do I even explain this? Is he's one punch? He wants, yeah, that's it. That's all you need to know. Title tells you everything. It's based on a manga as well. Uh, you get a 96-page full-color booklet. Uh, this has six uh, OVAs on it. Uh, the you know the the stuff that is not ever shown on television. But here's what makes this really cool: the the packaging. I love this packaging. It comes with kind of a double sleeve. Um, there you know it's a slip cover, uh, and the book well, the, the disc and the booklet are in the slip cover, and then the slip cover has to have a plastic case on it because. He's literally punched a hole oh, in the slipcover. Isn't that great? It's fantastic. He's literally he's a one punch man. He punched a hole in the slipcover. You see this on the you see this on a store shelf, you're gonna buy it. You know, you know what it's about. He's so badass, he's punching a hole in the in the in the in the packaging. It's fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. Um more school kid stuff, more high school stuff, kids in uniforms. This is Orange, the complete series. Orange is really, really well animated. Pretty darn well written too. Uh, it's a uh, it, again more supernatural stuff, and it's really a, a fascinating mystery that precipitates this thing, where this um, where this one student receives uh, a letter from herself in the future, and there's a warning with it, and it's and that just create and, and that's one of these amazing kind of uh, lost highway Lynchian twists that just sort of precipitates a fascinating series of events it's really really interesting it's very very good beautifully beautifully put together uh one of the most interesting shifts in uh, japanese animation i I think i've ever seen so that's definitely worth checking out that is orange the complete series and then we have uh space dandy which is just complete and total madness this is a blue (laughs) it, it is the space dandy the complete series this is just totally unhinged uh, Blu-ray and DVD combo pack. You know, it's. Uh, I'm mentioning this just because it's it's unhinged. It's crazy. Uh, this is like heavy metal crossed with um, gee whiz, I don't know. Star Blazers meets heavy metal meets uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know. That's maybe the only way I can put this. It's just totally out of control, and it's kind of cool. Uh, you don't really need to understand what's going on here. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what Space Dandy and his whole Elvisy vibe is doing or what he's looking for <laughs> he, you know he's basically like uh what's his face in uh, guardians of the galaxy just go with the ride man chris yeah. chris pratt he's chris just, pratt yeah just go with the ride it's a it's just, it's just he's going off into, into space he's looking for aliens go along for the ride you will love it uh one of the more beautiful boxed uh, sets packages is jojo's bizarre adventure which comes with a 168 page booklet and nine art cards uh, this is the uh, f- this is set number one of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which includes Phantom Blood and f- and Battle Tendency arcs. Don't bother even trying to figure out what that means. You will understand once you, you know if you if you're a fan of the show, that immediately means something to you. This is uh, this is incredible artwork. It's really intense. 
clearly done by people who are using all kinds of very strange substances. Um, Viz Media also released this. It is a gorgeous box set, really, really great. It is uh, not something I was ever familiar with before, but it is uh, it is also very kind of Guardians of the Galaxy like, but it's really really yeah, it's, intense. It's probably more like um, it's about these brothers and the, they have a company and, and one of them's trying to they're stepbrothers. One of them's trying to take control of the company from the other one, and it's all yeah. I mean, there's there's a whole there's a whole aristocratic yeah. um, uh, soap opera going on, and then that wraps up with you know uh, some supernatural stuff. Yeah, it, vampires. Yeah, yeah, and then there's like there there's artifacts and a thing that shows up in Mexico, and there's a it, it's 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 a little bit you know, like Indiana Jones meets yeah. Guardians but of the Galaxy. But it looks cool. It looks really so cool looking. Unbelievable what the the artwork the, what the work they put into the artwork for these things blows my mind. Uh, and then uh, let's see, got two more here. We have uh, Re Life season one. That's R E L I F E, as in doing life all over again. 13 episodes, really terrifically cool box set uh, from uh, Funimation. And uh, the, uh, this again is dealing with, you know, this is again a youth thing. It's about a guy. He's not a student. He's just a young kid trying to make his his go, and uh, he just cannot get his life going. He's you know still living with his parents, and uh, he's just he can't he just can't get out of the the basement thing. And then you know what? Takes a pill. <laughs> I used to watch those. It's always a pill, on, right? Uh, on Crunchyroll. Yeah. Those yeah. With my with my little you know my cousin Nandi. Oh yeah, yeah. Girl. I would yeah. watch those with her. On Crunchyroll, yeah. <laughs> Crunchyroll. Uh, anyway, so the uh, the pill does kind of a, uh, a a big thing. Well, it's not big. It's more like a uh, um, a Groundhog Day deal. Yeah. So it's kind of a Groundhog Day pill. In any case, he gets to, and there there are other movies that sort of do a little bit of this. But he gets to sort of uh, relive his mistakes and see if he can uh, make his life better again. There's also a Kieslowski film that kind of. Yeah. touches on this um you know like to like where you you see a person's life in different forks yeah had the choice been different it's really fascinating but anyway 13 episodes very interesting show hope it uh hope it goes into some other cool directions in the future and uh then lastly we have servamp episodes one through 12 servamp also another cool blu-ray box set nice slip cover uh funky animation not necessarily my favorite of all of these, but I know this is really this is not this is more vampire stuff. It's like you know, Servamp is a is a servant vampire. That's what the name means. Um, so it's more Japanese anime vampire stuff. Nicely animated. Can't say I really uh, understand the story. It doesn't really. It, it feels a little feels a little contrived and kind of uh, precious to me. But anyway, some people really really love this thing. It's got a big following. So if you know some anime fans. Uh, this is cause for celebration. Servamp episodes one through twelve, set number one, uh, from the uh, the good people at Funimation. That will be a lovely thing to show up in a stocking for any anime fan. That is our anime haul for the holidays. Those are all great choices for the anime fan. I'm making some kids happy when they crack open the presents. Oh the yes, tree. Anime fans of anime. Any of those will light them up. Uh, so we sh shall we move into some... Let's move into movies. Movies, a little bit of old stuff here. I got a couple of box sets uh, that you handed me. Romy Snyder, when she was a little girl, or a teenager, Romy Snyder started her career by starting these films. This is the Romy Snyder, the, the sissy collection, yep. where she played the Empress uh, Elizabeth of Austria. 
Sweet. And, and, and I think it was like three, maybe four, but I think maybe three movies yeah. uh, that she did uh, that in. So this is a, a collection of those films. This is a lovely, lovely box, uh, I must say, of Blu-rays that includes a whole lot of bonus stuff <laughs> on the DVD, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, a 20-page booklet. It's just, it's just a lovely box. I, look, Romy Snyder, and Romy Snyder at like 17. For you, sure. Just forget about it. I know. <laughs> just forget know. about it. That's absolutely fantastic. So that's... A Romy Snyder there, and then uh, from Icarus, we have eight films by Jean Roche. And you know what was interesting about this? These eight films uh, were originally going to be released all individually. Because, oh. um, you know, uh, some of them are short, is shorter. I think the first two are shorter, and then the rest are all features. And they just went for broke. And well, just this said, is four discs. Yeah. The thing, about, so, the, the thing about that is, uh, Jean... Yeah. Uh, when we think about uh, the new wave and all that kind of stuff, we always think about Godard, we, we, we think about Truffaut, we think about Rivette, all those people. Yeah. Jean, he's the reason why those guys made movies. Yeah. He, he influenced all of them. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, we don't think, because he's he, a little bit older than, than they yeah, are. Yeah, he, he kind of, he come, you know, the, the, the new wave basically launches in 59 with uh, 400 Blows mm, and, and Breathless by mm, Godard. Godard. Those are kind of the first two that really, really hit. And um, he, he, you know, Jean Roche um, was really kind of hitting it hard in already in the early fifties. Oh yeah, and went all the way through. I mean, I, you know, I think it was uh, Mammy Water was his first big thing, like nineteen fifty six, which is on here. Yeah, and then the Mad Masters, nineteen fifty six, and then Moi en Noir, and then he, he has some really great features like the Lion Hunters and Jaguar, uh, little by little, some really interesting movies. Uh, and then there's a documentary on here. It's, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, so that's that's if you if if you want to know something about the, the new wave, I always think you need to start a little bit earlier. Yeah, and so there's that. That's eight yeah. films by John Rose, and then yeah. I have this one over here, Cohen film from Cohen Media Group. You do a lot of work for them. We've done work for yes. for Cohen, uh, and and this is just a wonderful, wonderful doc that I had a chance to talk about on the show when it was in theaters. Oh Bertrand yeah, Tavernier's, right. uh, film my 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 journey through French cinema. Which is mostly him sitting there talking, and then and then wonderful, wonderful footage, black and white footage mostly from all of these wonderful films. Most of these films, though, are the sort of pre-new wave films that would have been because uh, he he uh, Tavernier he worked for Renoir. Yeah, yeah, he was an assistant. He he worked for. Uh, 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 um, uh, he was he was assistant director for tons of those guys. Uh, Melville, yeah. he was yeah. assistant director for yeah. Melville. Um, so, so he was actually shaped by that group of French directors that preceded yeah. the new wave directors. And, and he precedes the new wave directors. I, I love Tavernier. Um, it's just, you know, I mean, you know. And, and you know, it, what the, what's funny about that, I met Tavernier years ago at a, at a, a Colcoa uh, event here in L.A. And um, before I was really, you know, kind of a regular part of Colcoa. And uh, it, what's amazing about him is he just loves talking about movies. Oh, yeah. Like, you meet him. And, and uh, evidence You by can this see it. I mean, yeah. how long is that thing? That thing's like, like 12 hours long, right? Like, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's 192 minutes. That's, that is a, that's just a lot of French cinema. Yeah. And um, you meet him, and you go, oh, Mr. Tavernier, it's lovely to meet you. I love your movies. He goes, let me tell you about movies. The first movie I ever saw. And he will just go for like 45 minutes talking about movies. Yeah. He will just, there's no end to it. It's fascinating. He just truly, he genuinely loves what he does. It's it's just so refreshing. And this is a really uh, really great DVD. And there's an interview with him uh, and, and and a couple of experts on here, as well as uh, uh, the film itself. 192 minutes long, French with English subtitles. 
absolutely spectacular, so definitely check that one out. And we also want to recommend something that we reviewed uh, some months ago, but it is a great box set to include, certainly for the holiday season, Flickr Alley's Early Women Filmmakers, an international anthology. Uh, especially now that we're we're focusing so much on yeah. the gender gap in Hollywood and how few women are actually directing and writing, it it really is a great thing to sort of go back and revisit all of the silent era greats and those from the early sound era who were really so significant. And uh, Flickr Alley just it they 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 hit them all: Alice Guy Blachey, you know. Lois Weber, Mabel Normand, uh, Germaine Dulac who did stuff uh, in 1919, 1922, two of her films here. Um, Alice Gee was the first woman yep. to actually have a studio in the United States. It was, in, it was in uh, Jersey. I think it was called Solax yep. or something like that. But anyway, this little woman who worked for the Lumiere brothers, yep. uh, you know, who, who was there in 1895 when they yep. filmed that train coming into True. the station, she yep. was actually standing there. Uh, and uh, so anyway, it, we forget sometimes that women were right at the beginning of the founding of yep. this industry. And frankly, they had a lot, there were a lot of women directors because it was before the men realized that, mm -hmm. you know what, that's directing, that's where the power is. Yeah. Uh, and they would let it's the true. women direct and they it's would true. let the women write the, the scenarios, as they were called at the time. Uh, and the men were doing the technical stuff. You get a little bit of that in uh, in Their Finest, the movie Their yes. Finest, which is yes. is hopefully going to make a comeback. We haven't gotten a screener for that yet. No, no. I, and I hope people remember that. I, well, Alonzo certainly is. And, and by the way, we're going to have a little tidbit from Alonzo on this show again. Alonzo uh, is the expert in all things Christmas movies, so he... Uh, he joins us every Christmas season with that, but yeah, Alonzo was really pushing for that, yeah. and I'm glad. So I, I hope that uh, I hope that makes an appearance in the in the mailbox this week because we only got two weeks left. Yeah, you know, we got two weeks to see about 150 movies. It's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, this thing also includes you know Lenny Riefenstahl's on here with Day of Freedom, uh, Maya Darren, Meshes in the Afternoon. It's, it's a it's a great set. So definitely uh, add that to the list as well. Uh, Early Women Filmmakers and International Anthology from Flickr Alley. Absolutely terrific. Uh, Mystery Mystery Science Theater three thousand volume. What what is that? X X X. What, what the hell? <laughs> Mark used to uh, thirty nine. Thirty nine. Mark, Mark loved these until he started hating them. Put the one behind. They're doing it again now. They're actually recasting. Actually, going to do it again. I watched them on television. These were always a whole lot of fun. This one of uh, the movies that they're taking down include includes uh, Girls Town, The Amazing Transparent Man, Diabolique. Uh, which is actually a pretty good movie. Why would they want to? <laughs> anyway, whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Satellite Dishes, I don't know that movie. Um, uh, what, what are you going to do? Uh, this, this, this is just something that if you love this kind of stuff, you have it's, to have. This is eight hours worth of programming uh, here, and it's just absolutely beyond funny. Lots of bonus features on this stuff, too. Uh, so, you know, what are you going to do? Master uh, Science uh, yeah. Theater 3000. Give it a go. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, if, you, if you happened on the, uh, if you're a 4K early adopter, if you're really trying to fill up your 4K collection, and you went and picked up those last four Harry Potter movies on 4K, and you've been sitting around saying, this is great, I've got the last four Harry Potter movies on 4K, but I don't have the first four. I need the first four. Where are the first four? You know what? The first four are now out. Ah, so the first four Harry Potter movies... Why the movies, hell did they do that? I don't know. Well, you know, why did they, why did they do Probably that? Probably thought the last four would sell better in 4K because they were most recent. And, and I suppose drive the desire for the first I four. suppose. Okay, you know, marketing. Uh, marketing is an evil undertaking. It is. It is. Harry Potter, uh, so Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in 4K is still a bad movie. It's still terrible. Yeah. The original, it's not good. It's not a good film. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. I'm not a fan. 
Um, of the other three, I, I, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, I'm not such a fan of either, to be honest. I, I can, like, take it or leave it. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, a eh. little bit better. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, yeah. really good. That's, a, that's the first real drama. That's of, the first of, one of that the, really, of yeah. The, of all of those movies, that movie was a drama. And it, it works largely because it has a real actor in it by the name of, I am soon going to win an Oscar for playing Winston Churchill, Gary Oldman. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's, uh, you know, there it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm still worried about Gary and all that makeup. That always worries me, dude. I, I it, the people I've talked to who've seen the film say you you forget it within ten seconds. Is it? Okay. It's Churchill. Yeah. That's you Churchill. know. I'm more of a. Uh, I, this is going way back. Yeah. But you know what what Anthony Hopkins did uh, to achieve Nixon. Uh, right. And he didn't put any putty nose on or anything. He combed his hair backwards and hunched his shoulders and you know and and got there. Yeah, uh, but you now you but you got you got you got Willie Harrelson walking around playing LBJ and a bunch of you know with a bunch of stuff on his face too. So I don't know, but you know we we shall see. Um, anyway, uh, OSS one uh, one seventeen, OSS one seventeen five five film collection. So these movies, those are the original ones. The original. Uh, let's go back to the middle fifties. Yeah, I think it's when the first one came yeah. out, and and uh, and and. Uh, and was then inspired to continue the series because of the uh, the release of the Bond movie. I think mm -hmm. maybe Doctor No, probably. Yep. Uh, and then they come back, and then we, we go on again, and then again, and again. They're still they've been making these movies up till today, you know. Uh, so anyway, this is five of those films from the collection. OSS one seventeen is Unleashed, nineteen sixty three. Panic in Bangkok, nineteen sixty four. Mission for a Killer, nineteen sixty five. Mission in Tokyo, nineteen sixty six. And Double Agent, uh, nineteen sixty eight. Uh, yep. Uh, French with English subtitles from Kino Lorber. Pretty cool. It's very cool, and you know, it's I, everybody. We most of most people here know. The two spoof versions of this was Jean Dujardin, yeah. which I uh, I'm quoted on the boxes of both of those. Thank goodness, um, that'll be my that'll be my epitaph. But uh, you know, it's really interesting to watch the the original ones because they they're not bad. They're serious. They're 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 more Bondian than yeah, you know, definitely. I, I think about movies like Matt Helm or uh, yeah. Our Man Flint. More yeah. serious than all of that, you know, the, the following in the footsteps of a... Yeah, I like them a lot. So Universal has done a thing. Uh, I'll leave it to you to decide whether or not this makes a lot of sense. So the Alfred Hitchcock Masterpiece Collection, which originally included Blu-rays of all of his really, really... Uh, all his Universal stuff, you know, everything from Psycho to Vertigo, North by, uh, North by Northwest, which of course is not, uh, is not Universal, that's Warner Brothers, but that's popped in here along with everything else, Man Who Knew Too Much, Shadow of a Doubt, Torn Curtain, Topaz, Family Plot, all that stuff. Yeah, um, all, late, late Alfred. Yeah, all of that started mixed with North by Northwest. So they, that has been out for quite some time, and what they've done is they've basically taken that set and they've just sort of spruced it up a bit, added, uh, it still has the same booklet, same uh, collectible booklet in it, but then they've added uh, seven episodes from Alfred Hitchcock Presents ah. and three episodes from the Alfred Hitchcock Hour, and otherwise it's all the same uh, extras, and they've put it out and they've char they're charging a little bit more for it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that is now called the Alfred Hitchcock, or Alfred Hitchcock, The Ultimate Collection. So if you already have... Alfred Hitchcock, the masterpiece collection, and you don't really need 
the TV like, shows. The TV shows on there, if that doesn't because really, they're not really directed by him. It's just yeah. it's just additional content. Uh, then you don't need to upgrade. But otherwise, Alfred Hitchcock: The Ultimate Collection, fifteen cool movies. Uh, you know, along with ten TV episodes and tons and tons of bonus materials and a cool booklet, still a really great thing to pick up. However, you can still pick up the Alfred Hitchcock Masterpiece Collection that doesn't have the TV stuff. So make your call. Uh, they're they're all out there, but the uh, the Ultimate Collection is the new version of it for this year. So yeah. Uh, Transformers uh, five movie collection. Well, man, who would have thought that 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 Michael Bay in this series would survive? Yeah, uh, that, switching from Shia LaBeouf to to, to Mark, Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg going through it's five crazy. or six years, just yeah, and, and, and and there they are, still they go. What can I say about this uh, series of movies? I've never liked them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I, would, the, the one charming thing about them uh, when, they, when they first started was to me Shia because he was you know, kind of a kid running around these movies and, that, and Bumblebee and then as the series went on uh, it, it got more and more uh, obnoxious and more frenetic and more kinetic and more out of control and I don't know whatever I just never did I just never did cotton to this particular series of movies in, in any case uh, Transformers uh, The Last Night uh, it comes with the bonus disc with over an hour's worth of special features on it. This is a whole. There's a whole lot of stuff here. And if you are in fact a fan of the series, uh, you like all of these movies, you're gonna want to go ahead and grab Transformers, the uh, the five movie collection, and get you going on there. Uh, I also have this. And what's interesting is uh, Justice League is uh, in theaters now. Of course, you know the Justice League with and it's terrible. It, this is this is, you know I had to see it for the thing. Oh, but but I will say I this. fell asleep the first time I saw it, so I had to see it again. By the way, I'll admit. I, that. I, I will say this about it: as bad as it is, and and if you haven't followed the the mustache epic, uh, Henry, oh that crazy thing and, with his face. And, and this is a spoiler: Superman comes back to life. Yeah, like we didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. So so uh, so Henry Cat. And by the way, it's not like they're even trying to hide that. You look at all the posters, and they show you five heroes and six logos. Right? Have you seen you, the one? You, 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 you know it's what? Absurd. I, yeah. Like in Century City, they got the five of them up there: Wonder Woman and Aquaman and Flash. And all right, they're all up there, and you know, Cyborg, and they're all looking real badass. And they've got each one has a little logo, and then right in the middle is, is the, a Superman is logo with no of, Superman. Of the, so you know, it's it's a loop. Anyway, uh, this is a neat tin. Uh, this Blu-ray, Justice League: The New Frontier, commemorative edition. It's really Superman really has nice. no, and Superman has no mustache in, in the animated version. Well, yeah, in the animated version, yeah, he doesn't have one in the live action. One too, because they took it out, and his face looks like rubber. It's they, ridiculous. They, they took it, there's this whole sequence, and it, it's just awful. It, and what I can't it get is so there's bad. some people who I've are like, I, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Were you not looking at the screen as his face was wiggling around?" It's the worst it's digital just, removal really, ever. It was just really super bad. And, and what was it? He was he was doing he, what? Man from Uncle? Because the the no yeah no he's doing uh, Mission Impossible. He was doing and, Mission Impossible. And the and the shooting for the reshoots were delayed so that it overlapped with the schedule and Paramount would not let him shave his mustache to do the Warner Brothers re, uh, reshoots. Yeah. It's basically studio warfare. Yeah. You know and yeah. and Paramount's laughing because they just made Justice League ridiculous. Yeah. Look 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 with and it, and it is ridiculous. It's kind of a burn for Henry though because he didn't do anything. There. Anyway, lots of special features on this. Uh, And I don't know, if you don't want to go see that movie, uh, check out this animation, uh, Justice League New Frontier Community of Edition. We got all kinds of Godfather action going on for you. Uh, the, The Godfather trilogy, Omerta, 
edition is out. This is a limited edition. It is numbered 45,000 only available. Uh, you can uh, you can get this, and it's four discs, and it is all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, it includes not only the, um, the all of the movies, but you get collectible trivia cards. You get a little anatomy of a scene thing. Uh, you get quote cards. It's really it's it's big time like nerd out. You know, there's even there's even this little magnetic thing in it for which is is kind of silly, but. Um, you get great special features, you know, all this back behind the scenes uh, featurette stuff. Four short films on The Godfather. Uh, it's really, really terrific. If you if you didn't already get the other edition that's out, you would love to. You, you need to get this. It's done like a little booklet. It's really nice packaging. It's fantastic. Godfather trilogy Omerta edition. Only forty five thousand out there, and they are all numbered. And meanwhile, we've also talked about a couple of books in the past that you should, uh, if you have a Godfather fan. There are two other books that have to get, they, they've got to get, you know, if you've got a Godfather fan, do the triple, get them that box set, and then get them these two books. The Annotated Godfather, the complete screenplay, mm. which is sensational. It is just all the, it's all the, it's the complete screenplay with notes and backstory and photographs, full color uh, photographs from the movies, um, or from the original movie. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. And then The Big Mama... Uh, the Godfather, The Godfather Notebook uh, by Francis Ford Coppola, which is everything you've ever wanted to know and a few things that you maybe didn't want to know when about the movie. When did that book come out originally? I, I, that, that book's been around a while, hasn't about it? About a year, year and a half. About a, okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's also a, an audio book of this thing where Coppola reads excerpts of the book. Uh, it doesn't read them very well. I listened to it. It's kind of weird. He wrote it. And he's reading it like he's like reading he's, it. Surprise! Like, yeah, like oh. you know, like oh, this is interesting. I've never read this before. It's very strange. Uh, should have done it off a teleprompter or something. Anyway, this is uh, this is really cool. This is just a giant collection of photocopied stuff: pages from the script, pages from the book, pages from notes, uh, and you get some photographs here and there as well. It's just it's fantastic. So between all of this and the uh, the uh, complete screenplay, the annotated Godfather. And the Godfather Notebook and the Godfather Trilogy Omerta Edition. Uh, if there's a Godfather fan who gets all three of those things on Christmas morning or for Hanukkah, my goodness, they are going to be happy and they will love you for a lifetime. Ah, oh, man. I have a couple of lovely God. You know that beautiful Godfather? The black box with the gold uh -huh. the writing. I have that set from, I don't know, almost... 25 years ago now. Wow, maybe. yeah. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was a lovely, it was a lovely You know, set. I was supposed to write a book about the restoration of the Godfather. But they never couldn't pull off the... Paramount. Yeah. Maybe, man. Uh, which is, I don't know, Par Paramount is not long for this business. <laughs> for, a whole, for a whole lot of different reasons. Yeah. Um, uh, the Horror horror Hall of Fame, 26 classic horror films. This is just neat right here. For one thing, it's, it's, it's inexpensive. Uh, you get 26 movies, Hammer Horror films, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but these are all classic films. A lot of times when you see these sets, you know, they'll, 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 they'll go and dig up all the uh, public domain, this yeah. and the other things. And, you know, it'll be a bunch of wacky films, maybe one or two classic films, and then a bunch of wacky films that were wacky when they came out in 1952. Yeah. Not this. This is, this is, this is nothing but, 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 but money in terms of the films. You got The Bat, Before I Hang, uh, The Black Room, uh, The Boogeyman Will Get You, uh, just, I mean, uh, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. Uh, 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 die, Die, My Darling, uh, just really, really great films. Uh, House on Haunted Hill, a lot of Vincent Price. Uh, you got a lot of uh, Peter Cushing. You got a lot of Christopher Lee. 
and, 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 a, and a whole lot more. So this is something that you definitely want to pick up. Um, uh, the, the Horror Hall of Fame, 26 classic horror films. Super cool. So we also have um, Overdrive. Now, I'm mentioning Overdrive because the people at uh, Paramount are being very nice, and they are going to give away two copies of Overdrive on Blu-ray with Scott Eastwood. Clint Eastwood's a very, very good-looking son, staggeringly good-looking son. Yeah. And uh, who, who the industry has uh, decided they are going to make a movie star. Yeah, oh, yeah. Whether we like it or not. <laughs> this is a Blu-ray and uh, movies anywhere combo. It's the, you know, it still has the ultraviolet logo on it, but it's, it's movies anywhere uh, soon. It's all going to be movies anywhere. It's ultra, this is still ultraviolet for now because it's Paramount. But, uh, you know, hang on to it. It'll, it'll be part of movies anywhere soon enough. Uh, so Overdrive with uh, Scott Eastwood. Basically, it's a Fast and the Furious kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's what it's going for. It's fast cars and, and hot women and Scott Eastwood. I, I'll, I'll and a give lot of stunts. this. That movie, I've talked about that movie on the yeah. radio show. Uh, insane amount of production value. The cars yeah. and all that stuff. It's... It's 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 part Fast and Furious, and what was that? Uh, the Italian Job, right? Uh, but but F. Gary's uh, The Italian Job, not the exactly, yeah. The, 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 the remake of the not the one with Benny with yeah. Benny Hill, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, so the uh, movie is Overdrive. Two copies from Paramount. Send us an email. All of these giveaways. Send us an email to gods at digigods.com and include your uh, name and address in the body of the email. And for this. Put Scott S C O T T. Just put Scott in the in the uh, subject line, and uh, that will filter it out for us, so we can uh, we can pick a random winner. We're going to be picking the winners weekend after Black Friday. Yeah. So do all your shopping Black Friday. You don't get what you want, or if you don't, you know, you're frustrated. You still have the uh, still have the rest of the weekend all the way through Sunday to uh, get us your emails and uh, enjoy the the Thanksgiving holiday, the Thanksgiving weekend, and, you know, Sunday night come around, you can still send us an email, and uh, we will uh, pick the winners Monday, Monday after Thanksgiving. Uh, and then, Tim, we got, uh, you a know... A lot of Agatha Christie. A lot of Agatha Christie, and we I, got I, giveaways I, 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 for this, too. I can wrap the murder on the Orient Express just because the movie's in theater right, yeah. right now. There's a whole lot of these movies, um, uh, you know, obviously going all the way back to, well, going way back, but... Uh, 1984 film. This yeah. particular one, David Suchet, Jessica Chastain, Hugh Bonneville, Toby Jones, Barbara Hershey. Yeah. You know, uh, I, this was, this was, you know, this was okay. Yeah. This was, you know, th this was not... Suchet made him change the ending, you know that. Oh, really? Yeah. He had, well, it's not significantly changed, but I mean, it, he had them rewrite it to, and this is, I'm trying not to give anything away, but he wanted, he wanted Poirot to have a different... Uh, moral dilemma than he actually has in the book. Mm -hmm. So it's different in this version because of that. Interesting. Yeah, but Branagh kind of changed no, no, a little you, bit. No, I was going to say, now you saw the film, uh, the Branagh yeah, film. Yeah, so, I, so. I reviewed it on Cinegods, I reviewed it on the radio, and uh, Nadim and I, Nadim who has been on this show before, he and I went to uh, an event uh, a few days ago where everybody was kind of schmoozing at the Chateau Marmont, and we wound up talking to Branagh for about 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and we, it's, it, was, it was pretty cool. But he, uh, the, my first question was, is like, murder on the Nile, are we going to get it? And he just, he just beamed. He was like, oh, it's so much better, isn't he? Because it's just dark and the brooding parts of human nature. And he, suddenly he was directing the damn thing right in front of me. It was actually quite funny. <laughs> well, he acquitted so, himself well, I he understand. Did. Yes, so. he did. Very well. Uh, and so anyway, all of this is part of giveaways. 
Yes. So uh, Murder on the Orient Express, the Suchet version, uh, as well as, this is all from uh, Acorn, uh, the um, uh, Agatha, Best of Agatha Christie Volume One and Best of Agatha Christie Volume Two. So this is a uh, this is this is a set we're going to be giving away. This is how this is going to work. So we've got two copies of the Best of Agatha Christie Volume One and Two, which includes and then there were none. Five Little Pigs, Death on the Nile, Witness for the Prosecution, Three Act Tragedy, and Halloween Party. Um, these these two. And Murder on the Orient Express. That's a three-title uh, set. We're going to give away two copies of all three of these. So, uh, The Best of Agatha Christie, Volume 1 and 2, plus Murder on the Orient Express. We're going to give away two of those. And it's the same deal. Go ahead and send us an email to gods at digigods.com. Put your name and address in the body of the email. And then, in the uh, subject line, put Murder. So murder. Scott murder. for Overdrive, murder for these Agatha Christie sets. And you are going to die. You know what? We're not even close to the best stuff that we're giving away. We're not even close. So... You, you said it was going to be a big show. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be a huge show. So that being said, we're going to go into our first interview. Um, uh, I, had a, uh, I had a great idea for, well, I have a lot of great ideas. Uh, but my ideas are oftentimes stupid, too. So uh, this is not a stupid idea. I, uh, I thought what we would do for our interviews was talk to people from companies that are really kind of trying to reinvent the way that uh, this business works, Re trying to reinvent streaming and distribution and what movies get made and what titles get made and DVD and Blu-ray and everything, and they're just innovative and interesting. And I thought, well, I don't know anybody who's been, who's been sort of more out on the forefront of that than the Asylum. And uh, as it happens, David Latt, who is the CEO uh, and co-founder of the Asylum, is a very old friend of mine. David was at uh, Loyola Film School ages ago when I was at UCLA. Very enterprising guy. He already started a, uh, a publication, a film magazine, when he was a film student, which I started writing for. And uh, that was, you know, the first business that he founded. So he's always been very entrepreneurial and enterprising. And the Asylum, of course, does the Sharknado stuff and, yeah. uh, you know, all the mockbusters. They were a really interesting company. So I, uh, I had a chat with David and uh, all about what they're doing at the Asylum. And here it is. And usually when I do uh, interviews for this show, it's somebody that uh, is, uh, I don't really know, and I have to speak to them in a very respectful way, but uh, there is no such constraint right now. <laughs> I am speaking to David Ladd, who is co-founder and CEO of The Asylum, the people behind Sharknado and many other outstanding films and television shows. Uh, I've known David for 25 should years. Require, that should require some respect. Something, right? <laughs> <I guess. laughs> well, uh, David, this is this is a. Uh, I get to kind of uh, you know let let my hair down here. So so uh, I've known you forever, uh, and it, it is. I, I take a little bit of pride in all of your accomplishments, even though I had nothing to do with any of them. But it's been it's been really great seeing uh, how the asylum has grown over the course of twenty years. You're you're twenty years old now. I mean, it's a mature company. And uh, you're you're still rocking and, and doing all kinds of cool and fun things, and you're still on the cutting edge. So what is? I, I will say I, I want to say though that as far as you know, following my career and whatnot, I feel like we're like a doppelganger, but like evil and good, you know, uh, doppelgangers <laughs> because I could have never had 
but it's like so cool. You've written books, you've done the, 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 the film critic stuff. You, you, you're like this, this heady, intellectual, smart guy thinking, I'm just doing like sharks in a tornado. I mean, so it's just, you know, I, complete opposite. So yeah, flattery, I, I mean, flattery will <laughs> flattery, flattery will get you everywhere. So so after after twenty years, um, you know you're a brand now, and that's that's the biggest trick I've always said in this business is to brand yourself so that people, you know, like Disney or like Troma, whatever it is, people <laughs> see the brand and they boom, they know what to expect, and that's that's the toughest thing to do. Companies come and go before they're able to do that. You've been able to do that. What's is there a secret to it, or is it just persistence? Blackmail works really well. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, you know, I guess in this climate, because uh, of all the harassment and stuff, we never made good enough films for us to have any harassment lawsuits. So we're going to probably have a longer stay uh, than anybody else. We're going to be everyone's going to be gone. We're going to be who's left standing? He's like, ah, oh, the asylum. Holy crap. Um, no one harassed them. No, no. We, do you? Do, well, ser- um, seriously, do you think it's just sticking to your knitting? Is that the is that the trick? Um, there's there's definitely that, and there's also uh, we're, we're not very talented, so it's so you know you can only do what you do, uh, and and it's also we're a studio, so and that's different than a production company. It's not like we're trying to write the next great thing and win all these awards and like become Wade Major. This is not who you know our trajectory. We're uh, we're a studio for hire in a lot of ways. So, uh, uh, you know, when we sell, we sell, we're sell, we're selling to a, a buyer that says, "Oh, go make a, you know, black and white gay western about, you know, tadpoles," and you know, that's what we go and make. Um, so we're a little slutty that way because we kind of, you know, uh, do it for the money. But uh, we're also really passionate about trying to make the best that we can with the limited resources that we have. So it comes off sometimes a little bit clunky and cheap and, and, and whatnot. But I think anyone who watches an asylum movie, you hopefully get the passion and uh, the excitement and the entertainment value for it because we all, at the end of the day, love making movies. And I think that comes through in every frame, you know, except for the and, ones we hate. Then and you, see, you but your, your, your self-deprecation <laughs> is refreshing because, for example, last night I saw Justice League. And apart from the handful of people who felt like they had to cheer because otherwise they're they're just not fulfilling their obligation <laughs> to those characters, nobody really enjoyed that. That was that was just two hours of passionless, you know, wet, shiny looking, un, uneventful and unenthusiastic superheroes. And there's no passion there. And I I will take you know a low budget uh, exploitation film with passion any day, like Night of the Living Dead. Or anything that trauma does, you know, a Toxic Avenger or Sharknado, whatever it is, I'll take that any day over, you know, a hundred million dollar film that nobody really wanted to make. I I I get that, and I I I agree. You know, I mean, I, you know, now the studios are only going to make Justice League three, four, five, and six, you know, and not yeah. the passion projects. That's never going to happen anymore. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's um. You know, that it's, and I think that's why Wonder Woman actually did well. I think the passion and the excitement for that sure. property shone through, through the actress, through the director, through everyone involved in that show. I think that's why the Star Wars films do really well, because everyone's so damn excited about being a part of this that, that Daniel Craig becomes a stormtrooper. You know, it's like in the yeah. background, because you just want to be a part of that universe. And But something that's just for the paycheck and something that's just the, like, let's just do it, and we've done it before, it, it, it's tiresome. Now, you're, you're saying that to a guy that's about to start Sharknado 6, 
but you know, I, it's still fun. Um, <laughs> what now? Save just for a second. How did the Sharknado phenomenon start? Because that's just one of those wonderful things. I mean, Corman, the fusion of uh, of unconventional ideas is kind of a Corman thing. Uh, Carnosaur comes to mind, right? Sure. Uh, you know, let's let's take uh, or or even uh, you know, Jaws was a thing, so let's do Piranha to sort of go sideways from something else that's in already in in the culture. Where did Sharknado really come from? Well, I'd love to say that uh, we're just geniuses, and I will say that <laughs> we're just geniuses. Um, but uh, the truth of the matter is, we're not. Um, is that we. It actually came about because a number of years ago we had a dinner with our friends at Sci-Fi, and uh, they've been always very supportive and really excited about what we do. And we had produced a number of films for them, and it's just a nice conversation. We're having dinner with friends, and they said, "Well, what are you doing? You know, what's your next project?" We said, "Well, we have something that we're developing for our Japanese buyers. It's um, uh, basically it's called Shark Storm. It's about this uh, tornado that that hits on the coast of LA, and it picks up all these sharks and dumps them on people, and everyone has to kind of fight sharks." And they said, oh, my God, we have – we've been trying to figure out a plot for a title that we've you know, wanted to make for years called Sharknado. Uh, it was a, a title that was in one of our Leprechaun films, um, and we loved the title because it was just a throwaway thing. And, you know, look, if, if we – green like this with your shark storm can we add our title to it and we're like yeah sure that's a sucky title not a problem um <laughs> we'll, we'll just change it um and, you know at the end of the day who cares uh we get to do another film with sci-fi which is always very exciting because our budgets go up quite a bit from what we're normally used to there's a lot more attention to it a lot more audience than just the three people that rented a, a dvd or a blockbuster which for the uh younger kids was a store that sold dvds and videotape anyways it's a whole long story but um you know, it was always very exciting to, to do that jump up and, and produce something for sci you know, with sci-fi. And that's what Sharknado became. So that's kind of how it happened. It was really a, you know, this commingling of uh, the, the network and the studio, which um, uh, worked out really well for everybody, for everybody. And, and what I don't think you guys get enough credit for is, uh, it, apart from the mockbusters and all of that other stuff, you do an amazing job of mining uh, pop culture figures from from yesteryear and casting them against type or casting them in completely unusual, unexpected. Just people people showing up in movies, Mark Cuban, whoever else. They just it, it's it's really uh, an amazing gift that you guys have, and I, and I, and and don't don't be self-deprecating about that because that really is. That's a very special thing to, to 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 put those people into places where it's just going to light up an audience. That's a but real how could you say no when when uh, your casting director, uh, in this case Scotty Mullen, actually wrote Sharknado Five, so he's doing double duty casting it, and goes, "Oh my God, I got Fabio. He wants to play the Pope." Like, yeah, of course we want Fabio to play the Pope. <laughs> Why wouldn't we want Fabio to play the Pope? So. You know, a lot of those things come about, you know, organically. They seek us out or, or we seek them out. Um, and, yeah, we've had hundreds of cameos in the, in the Sharknado. And then there's all those other ancillary, you know, uh, residual um, uh, effects from the from from the real world. So you have, like, Jimmy Kimmel talk about Sharknado and, and, and Fallon and Conan and Barack Obama and Trump and, you know, these – uh, I remember the Today Show did a fake 
uh, trailer for Sharknado, and it starred uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis and Cher and Robin Williams. That's how long ago that was. But, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, it was amazing, you know. So you, and, and I know uh, I saw another parody that starred John Lithgow and uh, David Hyde Pierce. And, and it's it just everyone wants to be part of this particular brand and this franchise, which, you know, so I, I'd love to, you know, you don't, want to be, you don't want me to be self-deprecating, but I can't really take a lot of credit for it because these people kind of put it themselves out there and want to be a part of something that is fun, exciting, different, uh, and destroys their career faster than everyone <laughs> would. So, well, um, but that, yeah. that gets to the branding thing again. You know, when you're a brand, people seek you out. If you're not a brand, you have to seek them out. I mean, case in point, um, you know, if it's a Disney film, people with kids, they will go and seek out the Disney film. If it's not, if it's right. the exact same film, but it doesn't have that Disney moniker on it, well, they're going to research it a little bit. And uh, you've you've gotten to that you've crossed that brand threshold. So now the people come to you, right? Usually drunk, but yes, um, they <laughs> they uh, they seek us out not in the most sober way, but uh, yeah, and it's uh, and it's it's great, and you get to have a lot of stories around the bar about you know that Donald Trump wanted to be in Sharknado three, and we had issues there, and you know just like you know these just bizarre conversations um, uh, that have happened because of this particular gem of a series. What, uh, talk a little bit about what the, what the next few years are going to bring. I mean, 20 years is, is enough to sort of really, now you got to have other goals. So where, (laughs) where's the, where's the future going to go? Um, you know, what other areas are you going to expand into? Porn. Um, that's, I see a future, you know, immersive VR, AR. Okay. Um, you know, this is one of those things of, of how do you stay alive? This is part of that, uh, the answer to that question, which is that you get nimble and you kind of hopefully think quick enough so that uh, technology doesn't pass you by and, and opportunities don't pass you by. We're, we're probably a bit old and bloated, so we're a little bit slower. Um, so all of our contemporaries are getting, you know, deals over at YouTube and, and you know, other web-based companies um, where we're kind of going, no, DVDs are still around, which they are. Um, don't kid yourself. Um, so it's, I don't know. The short answer is I don't know, and I'm happy I don't know, you know, because that kind of locks us into a trajectory that I, I think will get us into trouble, like, real quickly, and yeah. we'll sink the ship. We've been uh, very lucky. We've been very cautious about how we go and do future things. So, um, you know, it, 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 it may seem like a fly by the seat of your pants kind of company, but, you know, we hire, we have about over 30 employees. They all get health and, and 401ks and they all have families. And, you know, we've been doing this for years and years and years. And I'm very, very proud of that. And it's partially because we don't go, hey, let's go make a $30 million movie, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and yeah. put it out there and, 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 and test the market. We're, we're just not that risky. Uh, we may have a, a slot machine for Sharknado, but we do not gamble in that way. So, well, um, let, let me let me give you a little a little bit of trivia too. Uh, I've always compared you guys to AIP because I think you know you have huh. the okay. you have the Arkoff Nicholson Corman thing sure. going. You know, you've you've you figured something out that you found a place in the marketplace and you're exploiting it extremely well. And uh, AIP lasted for 26 years, so <laughs> hang around seven more years and you will have outdone Arkoff. Oh, please, those guys, you know, yeah. they're sissies. Uh, 
I remember meeting Samuel Arkoff. I remember, you know, it's like I, all these guys, Corman and Arkoff and, and Larry Cohen and, you know, all of them. It's just like, and, and to even think that I was in that same league, you know, here I am at my age, it's, 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 it's exciting. You know, Lloyd Kaufman over at Troma. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, I'm, I feel like I, even though I've invited myself to the dinner, uh, you know, event, I, I feel very excited about being there, even though I crashed. <laughs> well, it's, uh, you know, they crashed it too. So that's sort of, that's sort of keeping the tradition. Um, and if I well, stay alive for another 40 years, I can get an Academy Award, you know, if Corman could, right? So exactly. I just need to stay alive long enough. Um, yeah. And they have to lower their standards enough, um, you know, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know what? Uh, does Harvey uh, Harvey raise the standards <laughs> now? Letting go of Harvey raises the standards. So uh, I, think, I think, yeah. Well, <laughs> let's 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 wrap out. Let me ask you just a, a real serious question then about um, you know what the what the landscape is as far as streaming and uh, you know OTT and everything else. Everything seems to be fragmenting, and you hinted at this a little bit that you've got you've got to be agile enough to sort of keep up with these changes. Is is uh, is are, are Netflix and Amazon are they changing not just the business model but the content that is that is being created as well? Is that is that uh, there's there a pressure on the kind of content that you create? Huh. That's a great question. Um, I don't, I, we've sold some films after the fact and, and, um, and so we haven't really created something for them, uh, yet. And, and so when that happens, you know, we've been in conversations, we're talking about doing series with them and whatnot, but I, they haven't really looked under the hood yet, or we haven't about, you know, what we can or cannot do. Um, I, I, you know, sci-fi was so involved. We do shows for Lifetime. They're involved. Um, we're doing something for Hallmark. They're going to be really involved. Um, so I, I think it's just kind of par for the course, however involved. But I don't know really the answer to that question yet. You know, ask me in a year. Hopefully I'll, I'll be able to be an expert in that uh, regard. Now, would you uh, – I'm going to put you on the spot here just for a second. If you had sure. to pick, if you had to pick a favorite – of any of the asylum uh, films, oh, is there shoot. one? Is, Justice League. Um, all right. <laughs> is there one? Is there one that is closest and nearest and dearest, or uh, are they all kind of uh, misbegotten black sheep children? No, like like my kids, I do have a favorite, um, and I let them know um, on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't mind. You know, the question. I, I will say this. I. I, I to be fair about answering this question, because I've been asked it uh, before, um, it does change on a daily basis. So, you know, it depends on the mood because we've done all genres and, and everything else. I mean, I, I could I could kind of pick a favorite film in the genre, but I think overall, um, you know, the one that was the most like, oh, my God, I can't believe we made that. Um, you know, it looked professional. It felt, you know, it just, it just felt like out-of-body experience of how good it was. Um, was a, a film we did for Lifetime called Love at a Christmas Table, which is not an exploited bull film. It's not a genre film. It's a Christmas tale, um, it, which is not necessarily where my sensibilities lie, but it just, it just it, it felt so different than what we had done before. So I don't know if it's necessarily better, but it definitely comes to mind first of like, wow, that was really uh, a, a really exciting, interesting, wonderful event. Um, and, and the film came out so well. It starred Danica McKellar and, and Thompson and, and 
boy, uh, my, brain, my brain's going blank, but a whole bunch of people that just really elevated the the show. And it's one of Lifetime's favorite shows, too, which is nice. I mean, they really uh, look look at this film with a lot of respect, which is, is, is great. Uh, you know, so that comes to mind. And then, and of course, there's everything else. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, David, I'm. Uh, you guys do a great job. You uh, you have really uh, you've set a great example, and I know I know you you will laugh at that, but you you really have. For a lot of people that I talk to, they really do look up to the company. They think you've set a great example for how to effectively and efficiently run a stable business during unstable times, and uh, and how to brand yourself and sort of establish yourself in the marketplace. And I think there's a, a great deal that people can learn from how the asylum started and how it sort of maintained and grew its relevance and you're doing a great job so on behalf of all of our oh, listeners i tip my hat to you and uh, it is a it is a privilege to have known you for so long and uh, we'll we'll sit down and have a, a longer conversation over lunch that we'll do lunch i love it yes That's perfect all right Thank you. so good company looking forward to uh, another 20 years yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Sharknadoes. They're almost as li- they've almost been around as long as uh, AIP and Sam Arkoff. Yeah, were. you know, it, 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 it's an interesting thing. You you took me by David's house. I think it was like maybe oh yeah, almost, almost close, oh, yeah. close his, to 15, his, 20 years ago. His famous New Year's uh, yeah. Day parties. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We had a great time. Your cousin was here for that. Oh, that's was, right. Yeah. That's right. I remember that. Oh. Well, let's let's move on to uh, let, let's uh, we got another giveaway real quick. Yeah, the villainous. You got you got three of those. Uh, a fantastic series. Uh, about a trained assassin who was born, and, and she, she's a little girl. She started training. Her mentor gets killed, uh, and she goes to work for the government. They tell her that you know, work for us for ten years, and then it, we'll let you go. It's very fum Nikita. Yeah, it's fum Nikita yeah. stuff. It's basically uh, it's basically Asian fum Nikita stuff, uh, with you know a little bit of a few other things thrown in. But uh, it's a it, the, the villainous is really really terrific. Um, I, I, if you love Asian uh, martial arts and action stuff, you're you're absolutely going to dig it. This is from uh, Wellgo, and we're giving away three of these. And uh, this also comes with uh, an English language track and trailers and uh, behind the scenes stuff. Uh, so the villainous from Wellgo, great kind of fun Nikita stuff. Uh, we're going to give away three of those. Again, send us an email, gods at digigods.com, and. Um, we're gonna co- we're gonna ask you to put deadly in the subject line. <laughs> Just put deadly, yeah. D E A D L Y for uh, for the villainous. We're gonna give away three copies of that. It's gonna be a blast. You're gonna have a great time. All right, um, we've got heaps and heaps of television right now. Uh, so let's, uh, boy, you know what? I'm gonna start off with something that we did talk about previously. It's one of the biggest box sets of the year. Here it is, Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, the complete series from Time Life. I have been watching this on a daily basis for about a year and a half now. It comes on one of the broadcast stations. And i got to tell you, it's just fabulous. For one thing, watching all of the people who came through that show. Amazing, right? George Slattery, of course, and it was on for a long time. Uh, uh, and we remember, you know, all the regulars, you know, the Goldie yeah. Hawns and all sure. that kind of stuff. But when you look at that show, Nixon came through that show. Yep. Uh, I mean, all kinds Shock of poli- me. all, all kinds of political figures came yeah. through that show. But so, but as as well as though a lot of you know sophisticates came through that show. Yeah. Uh, you, you get your James Baldwin's. Mm-hmm. You get your. It's just really, really a neat little archive of that time. It is absolutely terrific. It is one of the best box sets. It's got everything. It's got, you know, it's got all kinds of collectible stuff in it. So the complete laugh-in uh, from Time Life is a huge, huge, a great gift item. Also going to recommend a few other things here real quickly. Uh, the um, Vietnam War from Ken Burns. Great yeah. box set. Uh, best documentary of the season by far. 
And uh, then we're also going to recommend something that a lot of people didn't even realize had not been out yet. South Park has been releasing seasons in Blu-ray for quite a while. Mm. But the first 11 seasons of South Park have not been on Blu-ray. The first 11 seasons are now on Blu-ray. Mm. The, uh, so we have the first five right here. And then uh, 6 through 11 are coming out in a couple of weeks. They sent us the first five, se uh, season 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 on Blu-ray from South Park. And you know what? Uh, honestly, the animation is so good, and the look on Blu-ray is so good, it's almost live action. Wow. <laughs> it almost looks like live action. It, all of that, uh, that you know, the, 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 the reason it looked bad before, I guess it was just because I was looking at it on a 1952 television. <laughs> <laughs> Those little flat it's look, I, look, the animation is what it is. They, put, they throw these things together in a week and a half, and uh, that's partly why it's so much fun. But it's still fun to see on Blu-ray. You still want to see the... You know, I, the I can imagine the Blu-ray only makes it that much more saturated. It kind of does. The color, is, the color is better. Everything else is pretty much the same. But, hey, you know, if you've been getting this on Blu-ray for a while and you've been staring at those first 11 seasons on, on DVD and you're upset that you haven't been able to upgrade them, Problem solved. You know what is funny, though? Uh, in the 20-plus years since the appearance of a thing called South Park, which I first experienced mm -hmm. in an extremely uh, denigrated, uh, degenerated copy on VHS, yeah. 1990-whatever it was, right? right? It was passing around. It yep. was that Christmas thing. It was around this time of year. Totally. I was working over at UCLA doing whatever the heck I was doing, and everybody was passing around this VHS, and we would set up two VHS decks in the audio-visual lab, and we would basically just make copies of it all day long, uh, getting worse and worse and worse all yeah. the time because you're, you know, and you, you took this crackly sort of thing home and you put it in, and it was hysterically funny, I do admit, you know, the rude, crude, you, you remember the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but I, at the moment, I swear to you, I literally said out loud to my wife, uh, <laughs> you know, it was like that. It was funny, yeah. Yeah. but you know, it was it was like maybe a six minute video and it was over. And I, I, I who knew? Who yeah. knew? Oh well, whatever. And then one other box set, and I'll turn it over to, to Tim. We got uh, from Mill Creek. They threw five really cool miniseries, all kind of fantasy miniseries. Uh, together into a box set. And these have all been big sellers for Mill Creek over the years. Uh, it includes Tin Man with Zoe Deschanel, uh, The 10th Kingdom, Odyssey, Merlin, and Gulliver's Travels, the uh, Ted Dance and Gulliver's Travels. So anyway, this is a uh, five miniseries box set with all of those in it. Uh, Armin DeSante, of course, is, uh, is, is, is Odysseus in the Odyssey, and uh, Sam Neill plays Merlin in Merlin. And, uh, you know, Gulliver's Travels was a big thing on TV. That was a, that has Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif in it, to, you know, together again for the first time since Lawrence. And, um, you know, Tin Man was really, really cool, kind of a weird shifty, shifty take on, uh, on uh, The Wizard of Oz. So, um, you know, with a little science fiction spin on it. And then The Tenth Kingdom, which uh, actually won an Emmy. So, in any case, all five of these in a single box set is terrific. It's called The Epic Fantasy Collection. Five miniseries gift set from Mill Creek. Pretty cool. Ah, fantastic. Uh, on Blu-ray from uh, Shout Factory, uh, Halo, the complete uh, video collection. Uh, you know, if you're a fan. Uh, yeah, this, this is on. Is it, uh, this is on Hulu. Was this on Hulu? What is? It? I forget what this is on. This is on one of those I, I channels actually, that I never watched. I, I, I watched it on uh, Xbox on the Xbox uh, through the Sony oh yeah 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 or whatever it was the right. network that comes through the Xbox. Yeah yeah that's yeah. Right. Uh, that's why I was. Anyway, this is a this is a fantastic set. 
that includes uh, Halo Legends, uh, Halo 4, Forward Into Dawn, uh, Halo Nightfall, Halo uh, Fall. Look, if you're a gamer, you're going to love this stuff. If you're not a gamer, though, and you're wondering what that's been about, you know, what your, your, your boyfriend and your husband and your whoever it is has been all, all deep into the sort of Halo universe, I can tell you this, this, this is something you want to get a hold of. It will get you up to speed on what is going on in the Halo, um, uh, in the Halo universe. Yeah, uh, uh, nice, nice and fast there. All kinds of bonus features and spe- uh, bonus stuff and special features on this commentary tracks, the making of and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, just everything you could possibly want for the Halo fan. Halo, the complete video collection uh, from Shout Factory. Good stuff. They always do really great stuff there. Uh, Westworld. We love Westworld because Sherman's on Westworld. Yeah, our buddy, <laughs> our, our buddy Sherman, who is now working on the series Into the Badlands, uh, which is shooting currently the yeah. second or third season, maybe second third, and third season. Third season now. Third, third season, season yeah. yeah, in Dublin uh, there. He plays uh, Nathaniel Moon on that show. Uh, on, on Westworld, he had a pretty good run. He played the sheriff. Uh, on the show, it's pretty neat. Look, uh, Westworld. You for you and I, Westworld. Yeah. When I think of Westworld, I'm sorry, my mind still goes to Michael Crichton I and, know. and, and, yeah. and uh, Yul Brynner and yep. and all of that. This was a very powerful series. Um, it got way better toward the end uh, uh, of season one. This season, yep. Uh, that run of the, I would say maybe the last four or five. Oh yeah, four or five episodes was just so intense. Uh, and I have to give a shout out to Tondi Newton, who, who yeah. probably gave one of the best performances of anybody doing anything yeah. that had to do with acting of the year in this series. She was so daring, and yeah. there's a lot of naked in this. Thing. <laughs> That's it's, true. And she and she just really kills it. And uh, talking about a female character, I mean, you know, um, uh, a lot of men in this movie, and and, and and some of the themes of this movie. Of this series, sorry, yep. have uh, the men who are playing cowboys doing some vi- pretty vicious stuff. Uh, but something about the way Tandy plays that character, particularly if what once you've seen the series, you know where it goes, that offsets that, that rebalances that world, yeah, uh, and reenfranchises the women. I, I oddly are actually the more powerful uh, individuals, uh, you know, whether they are real or not in this series. So anyway, Westworld, season one, The Maze, uh, 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray. Looks fantastic. Bunch of great comedy stuff on uh, on the TV end as well. So we've got two Bob Hope box sets here. Bob Hope never goes away. No, he doesn't. We have got Bob Hope, The Ultimate Movie Collection, which is 21 movies, uh, in, as well as an American Masters documentary. Is brand new, and this is uh, all the all the stuff that Universal has released uh, many many times on uh, on DVD. But uh, you know, you didn't. It's now all kind of been. It's been separate discs before, and now it's all thrown together. And uh, you get this great documentary along with all the stuff that they had before, which is like the Ghost Breakers, Road to Zanzibar, uh, Road to Morocco, Road to Utopia, Road to Singapore, uh, Thanks for the Memory, The Pale Face. You know, all these things have been out before. Uh, and then you also get Bob Hope and the Road to Success, Entertaining the Troops, Command Performances from 44 and 45, and Victory Caravan. So this is just enough Bob Hope to just uh, completely put you over the edge. And then in addition to that, you can get Thanks for the Memories, a beautiful box set of all the Bob Hope specials. And uh, this thing is, like, designed to be a gift. This is fantastic. Look at this yeah, big old beautiful gorgeous, heavy thing. gorgeous, gorgeous thing. It's fantastic. So uh, that's a beautiful one from Time. From uh, Time Life, uh, Thanks for the Memories, the Bob Hope specials, which, by the way, 
as bad as a lot of them were, I totally enjoy watching them again. Oh, yes. Because it's just, it's Bob Hope. Yeah. Like, even the bad joke, you laugh because it's Bob Hope. In what the is time that? He's there, and, 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 you know, he's always breaking the fourth wall, and, you know, and so, you know, no, you can't go wrong. He, he just, the, the sketches are hysterically bad. You can't and he, go wrong. Because he's always, he, it, it's true. He, he will do a sketch with somebody, and then he just looks to the audience. <laughs> it's and, like that. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah. Anyway, well, yeah. Uh, everybody hates Chris. Uh, the complete series, oddly, uh, this series, uh, which ran for four seasons, 88 episodes, um, it was not a series that I watched in real time when it was actually on. You know, there were a few of these that I sort of missed. Uh, these really sort of interesting uh, black family sitcoms. Uh, Bernie Mac had one. This one, which of course is about the life of a young Chris Rock when he was growing up in Brooklyn in the 80s. Uh, him and his whole family and all that kind of... Uh, this, this, show, this show had a moment. It had a mo- it was, yeah, it, it was it a very a popular so- show. And for whatever reason, it just... So, so it's funny to me, you know, because we think about, you know, these shows, the Bill Cosby show and, and, yeah. and all of that stuff and what they mean now. There are a lot of these shows. Frankly, I like this show. Everybody everybody hates Chris. Uh, I, I, you know, I, popped, I used to watch it in reruns uh, later. And it's a really, really cute show. But none of them can hold a candle to anything that George... Jefferson ever did in any show that he was ever in. Sherman Hemsley, yeah, uh, in, true. Those, in those all in, the, in those all in the families. Sherman Hemsley's uh, uh, Amen. Sherman Hemsley's uh, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, Moving on up. Yeah, all, yeah. yeah, all of that. Fantastic. So anyway, so far as black family comedies go, I'm going with Sherman Hemsley's. But if you're a fan of Chris Rock, Chris Rock, the complete series. Everybody hates Chris. Narrated. Uh, by Chris Rock. I, I had forgotten that his voice, Chris's voice, is in every one of these episodes. Yep. Because he's, he's doing that narration. Right? Mm-hmm. It's really sort of, a, sort of a neat thing. Anyway, neat thing. And my parents hated the fact that I loved Red Skelton so much, but uh, I don't care because I am still a fan. And the Red Skelton Hour in Color Deluxe Edition is a wonderful collection of stuff previously released uh, from Mill Creek and Time Life and all beautifully put together. Uh, 130 episodes on 22 DVDs including 31 never-before-released color episodes, and uh, the entire final season is in color. This also includes um, the, uh, the early years from 1951 to 55, which were in black and white, uh, lots and lots of other stuff, uh, tons of guest stars on this thing. The, the Red Skelton Hour in color is, is, is just golden, and uh, any fan of classic television will just, they'll love this. I mean, Red Skelton, one of the funniest and most innovative men in the history of television. Really, uh, really a great show. Uh, hours and hours and hours will, will, it's like a drug, that show. And then we have a 10-disc set from Mill Creek, uh, The Three Stooges, Big Box of Nyucks, N-Y-U-K-S. This is 40, I love how they do this, Poifect Hours, P O I F E C T. Uh, you know, I, I watched an episode. Of, you remember the uh, the late late sixties Three Stooges yeah. uh, cartoon? Uh, but they had I, a little live action sequences yeah. in there, and and they were stuff. old. And oh man, that was that was uh, you know. It's great. So this is forty hours of all kinds of stuff. It's you know films and shorts, and there there are some cartoons in this as well. Uh, and there is also, and this is the real reason to get this. This is why you really, really want to get this. This has the nine-part documentary series, Hey Mo, Hey Dad, <laughs> which is so great. Um, it's narrated by Mo's son, and it, it basically gives you just, it's, the, it's, it's, it's almost more sentimental than anything else. Yeah, it's, it's funny, very, but it's, it's very sentimental. It's really, really sweet. So there are, you know, there are pilots and all kinds of other stuff here. So, I mean, it's, uh, if, you, if you've been collecting the official shorts, 
and you want a whole bunch of other unofficial stuff to sort of round it out to make you know to be a Three Stooges completist. Uh, the Three Stooges big box of nyucks, ten discs, is pretty great. Let's see, um, Tim. We've also got oh, some. This, cl- this, the, yeah, the strain. Did you watch this series? Uh, it's from Guillermo del Toro. Oh, I I watched as much as I needed to. Mark and I talked about this originally, and uh, you know that thing sort of. Uh, you remember the billboard that caused all the controversy? No, what was it? Okay, so they had a billboard with a worm crawling out of somebody's eye or into somebody's eye, oh, whatever yes, it was. Oh, yes, I remember. It, yeah. it into their mouth or something. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it freaked out. It was sitting right at, like, La Brea and Pico or something, and it was so horrifying, and people complained, and L.A. finally asked that it be taken down. It was disrupting traffic. <gasps> oh, that, that's right. It's so. about a viral outbreak uh, that happens uh, in New York City uh, that creates a sort of uh, vampirism sort of thing. But it's, just, it's really just a virus, but you still got to drink blood. Uh, you know, classic Guillermo uh, del Toro, I would say. Here's a film, what, uh, Shape of Water. That's yeah, a, have you seen right? it? Yeah, I did see it the other day. What'd you think? You know... Um, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, you know, it, 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 that it, particular sensibility, that thing that he keeps doing, because it's in Labyrinth and it's in, to a certain extent... But, um, but here, here was my issue with it. It's incredibly well done. Yeah. I mean, Sally Hawkins is wonderful, and I love the look and the design and the photography and the camera work, and it's just, you know, his movies are just polished to the nth degree. I mean, he really knows how to do it. However... There are moments where he's he's doing a thing, and I know he gets off on it, yeah. but I have a problem with being yanked that way, which is he'll get very E.T. and kind of heartwarming-y, and I will sit there, and I'm going, oh. And, yeah. then, the next, and then he does something that makes me go, oh. Oh, uh, yeah, you know. And it's like, no, do that. And, and, I, and sometimes I just don't, I don't see how these spots belong in the same movie. That happens no. a couple times in Pan's Labyrinth, too. Yeah. Uh, it was the one, the one set, the, the Devil's Backbone. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It a couple times sure. There too. I'm not a big fan of the Pacific Remy. Yeah. You know, that's not so yeah. much my stuff. Um, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, the complete series. This is a gigantic and frankly kind of a weighty box. <laughs> it's, it's huge. Uh, that you gave me here celebrating the, the uh, 20th the year. The complete series, the whole dang. Well, first of all, I should say that I was a, I am a big yeah. fan of yeah. this series. I watched this, every episode of this series. There's some, there's some episodes of this series. This, that made, I think this are, made Joss Whedon. Oh, may, well, yeah. I mean, there was the movie first, of course, yeah. with, uh, I think, Christy Swanson. Yep. It's a Christy yep. Swanson. That just Luke came Perry, out, too. Uh, which is very different than this series, mm-hmm. the series, the character, Buffy, yep. and the way it's laid out. Very different than this. Uh, but, you know, I had forgotten that he was a regular writer on Roseanne for, like, eight years. Yeah. Uh, you know, writing those sure. the, the, those rosé. I totally forgot about that. I don't know why. Yeah. It just sort of like slipped my mind. Yep. You know, and then and then Buffy and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, this is fantastic. Uh, huge, huge box. All kinds of special features. Commentary, uh, commentaries on just about every one of these discs, uh, of which there are seven. Yeah. Uh, a disc in this set. Look, if you're a fan of this, you're just, just going to want to have this thing. I frankly want to have this. Yeah, <laughs> so this, this is pretty good. Uh, Buffy, uh, 20 year, man, 20 years. Everything is 20 years ago. I know, it's crazy. And then we also have for the CSI fan, you think that was heavy? We have uh, CSI Crime Scene Investigation, the complete series, and CSI Miami, the complete series. And each of these things is heavy enough to murder a loved one. Yeah. Uh, these are just enormous, absolutely enormous. 337 episodes on 93 discs. 
plus 19 hours of special features for the, for the original CSI. Seriously, 93 discs, 337 wow. episodes? Wow. If, God bless you if you know somebody who can consume this. Uh, lock them up in the basement. Let them just go to town. Uh, it's crazy. Unbelievable. 15 seasons worth uh, of this show. And it, it won, you know, it won Emmys. It, yeah. It's a hit show. But my gosh, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of death. And then you, you add CSI Miami, yeah. 10 seasons. Holy cow. Of, of David Caruso taking his shades off. Good. Right. That's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's, like, it's the whole... Sh- that's a- <laughs> it was a, it was my goodness. But, you know, it's interesting because he had... If you think about it, David Caruso did that one big career mistake, right? When he thought he was a movie star. Yeah. And yeah. he left um, uh, NY, uh, 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 NYPD... Was it NYPD Blue? It was NYPD, NYPD, NYPD Blue. Blue. That's right. He left yeah. NYPD Blue and then thought it went into Jade or something. Jade, was it John, Jade? John Dahl film with Ray Liotta. Written by uh, Joe Esterhaas. Yeah. And it tanked. And yeah. then he went running back to TV and had an even bigger career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly made more money than he ever did, you know. Amazing. Uh, David Crusoe was in King of New York, able for our film. That's Little right. Role. That's right. He was outstanding. Him, the Wesley Snipes movie. Uh, he, he was just out. He's also in Mad Dog and Glory. That's right. And he was outstanding in that, which is what sort of catapulted his, his career, and then it just sort of, you know, anyway. And then I'm going to wrap the TV out, and then we're going to have another interview. Mm. Um, I'm going to wrap the TV out, and we're, we're, we're talking about classic TV comedy, and there are four sets here that uh, are near and dear to my heart because I'm a goofball. And one of them is uh, Mama's Family, The Complete Collection. Get out of here. Clifton, you know he's still anus, look, you, know, anus. You, you know, you know he looks the same. Clifton, Clifton, Clifton. Oh yeah. No yeah. wait, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry, I'm confusing. That's Mama's family. That's Ken Barry. Yes. And 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 and, yes. and, 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 and all of those. I was, yeah. I, was, I was thinking of that's my mama for. Oh a no, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah. Mama's family. First of all, that was an extremely poignant and very funny. Yes. But also very poignant television series. Very. Mama family. Yeah, you know, it, it, they got into some really heavy stuff on that show, but it was always funny to be a character that came out of the Carol Burnett show. Came out of the Carol Burnett show, and uh, it's just it, you know, it's just absolutely terrific. Uh, Twenty-two DVDs, 130, uh, 130 episodes. Uh, it's absolutely terrific. The great Ken Barry. Six seasons, Ken Barry. Uh, you know, straight out of uh, F Troop and Mayberry RFD. Ageless and funny, always great. So, Mama's Family Complete Collection. That is the first one, and then we also have. I Dream of Jeannie and Bewitched, the oh, complete man. seasons, a oh, uh, complete series. That's 139 episodes of Jeannie and 254 episodes of Bewitched, all on Mill Creek box sets. I want to emphasize that this is the only complete set of Jeannie that, will, that has the black and white season in it. The original release of this had them colorized. Ah. So this is the only complete series version on DVD that has the first season in original black and white. Crucial. Important to know that. All the original broadcast versions. I, I, I joined the Air Force because of Major Healy, Aunt Major Nelson. and That's why I joined the Air Force. I, you know, I, I watched Night Jim Jean. He was in the Air Force. He was an astronaut. I would Ten have done that, later, too. I joined the Air Force. I, w- I would have done that, too. Slightly ridiculous, but I did it anyway. <laughs> And here is here is my this might be my pick of the season because Green Acres they released three seasons back in two thousand four and two thousand five 
They released three seasons and then uh, they called it quits. And it's really, really upsetting. MGM Home Entertainment released the first two, and then Sony Pictures Home Entertainment released the third, and then they just kind of threw in the towel and said, eh, nobody likes this show. And then for a solid decade plus, those of us who love this show have been saying, where are the last three seasons, man? Come on, get on the nut. Okay, here it is. Shout Factory, you are awesome. Shout Factory, who seems to always answer my dreams, uh, they, they just went and said, you know, seriously, come on, guys. This, this show has fans, and they've been waiting for a decade to get the other three seasons. Let's just do it. So here it is. Green Acres, the complete series, all six seasons, finally out on DVD. They even put a little sticker on this that says, perfect gift. Yeah, you're damn right it is. <laughs> That's Ava now, folks. That's Ava Gabor, yes. We Ava Gabor and Eddie Albert. Yeah, Ava went away in 95. Zsa, Zsa, Zsa only went away a couple of years ago. I used to shoot at Zsa because he had a big Magda, Magda recently died, didn't she? Oh, really? I think it was Magda. Oh. Maybe or the maybe, other, the other well, I lose track of them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, this was the, the idea behind this was very simple, which was why don't we just take Beverly Hillbillies and turn it inside out? Yeah. yeah. Take the city people, put them in the country. Done. Yep. Easily done. Yep. Same concept. Yep. Upside down. And we're anyway, 170 episodes, six seasons, 24 DVDs, plus audio commentaries, radio shows. It's just this is glorious. I am going to sit around after I eat on Christmas Day, and I am going to watch Green Acres for the rest of the day. I'm going to show it to my daughter. She will not understand it. My wife will probably divorce me. It's <laughs> it's going to be worth it. Green yeah. Acres all day on Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Telling you. I love the way Green Acres and Petticoat Junction and all those shows were all like part of a theme of shows that were all connected and would fold over. Oh, each other yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like, like, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Petticoat Junction is what it, it's basically a spinoff of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here are some more giveaways, folks. Get your pens, get your pencils, get your paper. Here we go. This is going to blow your mind. Thanks for the memories, the Bob Hope Special Deluxe Collection. We are giving away one copy. Send an email, godsatdigigods.com, name and address in the body of the email, and in the subject line, put hope. One copy of Thanks for the Memories, the Bob Hope Special's Deluxe Collection. We are also going to give away one copy of CMA Awards Live Greatest Moments, 1968 to 2015, from Time Life. CMA Awards Live, Greatest Moments, 68 to 2015. We're going to give away one copy of that. Put CMA in the subject line. We're also going to give away The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, Johnny and Friends, The Complete Collection. Put Tonight in the subject line. And we are going to give away one copy of The Red Skelton Hour in Color Deluxe Collection that I just raved about. And you're going to put Red in the subject line. So, uh, and I'll go through this again at the end of the show. That is all there. And right now, we're going to go into another interview with, um, well, we've talked about on this show, we've, we've uh, raved a lot about uh, MHZ Networks. They do all the foreign television stuff. And I was able to talk with Lance Schwulst of MHZ about their incredibly unique uh, business format. You know, they have a streaming network as well. And they go and they acquire all these amazing foreign language television shows from Italy and France and Sweden and Germany. And uh, they, they, they hold a place in the marketplace that is totally unique. And here, without further ado, uh, Lance Schwulst of MHZ. I am speaking with Lance Schwulst, who is the VP of Content for MHZ Networks. And uh, anyone who has listened to the podcast for any period of time knows that we try to scrupulously cover the releases of, uh, of MHZ, which consist of amazing foreign language, for the most part, television series, 
uh, and movies and, and television productions that would otherwise never get exposed here. Um, Lance, you, you have such an interesting business model. It seems like so many companies out there are chasing the same things, and you guys go out and chase different things. Talk just a little bit about where that all kind of came from and, and you know, what the guiding philosophy of the company is. Well, I, I think that you're right. Everyone kind of chases the, the bright and the shiny. And um, I kind of like to go in and find the things that are a bit tarnished and then shine them up a bit. Um, so, you know, when I go to MIPCOM, everyone is kind of hawking the same thing. I like to delve into the back catalog where we find some great gems. For instance, we have McGray, um, the great uh, detective created by George Simenon in adaptations that were made by, for French television in the early 90s, starring now deceased Bruno Cremer. It's been a huge success for us, and um, this is a series from the early 90s. Uh, so it's small little gems like that that we like to unearth. And then also we just simply can't afford a lot of the same things that you know Sundance is going after or um, Showtime, whomever. So um, we just try and find things that appeal to our audience. We know our audience really well. And um, we don't shy away from the quirky, and we don't shy away from the back catalog. Now, you said you know your audience really well, and I think that's, that's the thing that's most crucial for any company. Uh, one of the things that, that often frustrates us when we do the podcast is how little the major Hollywood studios seem to really understand their audience. And uh, that's sort of inexcusable. And, you know, th there's, a, there's an art to understanding your audience and developing a relationship with an audience and kind of carving out that niche. Could you go into a little bit more detail as to how you sort of, like, who is the typical MHZ uh, target audience? Well, we're really lucky because we have a well-read, a um, well-traveled, highly intelligent, um, well-educated crowd that seems to have some disposable income at hand. Um, it's a smart group of people who um, predominantly, actually predominantly women, just it skews a bit more towards women than men. Um, and these are people who are voracious readers, and a lot of the crime fiction that we've had in the past are, are not entirely um, unknown quantities to the United States viewers in that you can go into any Barnes & Noble and find um, Andrea Camilleri's novels of Detective Montalbano or Donna Leone, who's an A-list American author who writes a series of Guido Brunetti mysteries. Right. These are all titles that are on the shelves, and then they – you know, they pour through this crime fiction, then they find the international crime fiction, and um, then they find out that, wow, there are filmed adaptations of these. Right. So a lot of our audience stems from that, and then, you know, it's just built over the years. And, um, you know, our audience has come to expect what they expect, and then they're always pleasantly surprised when we kind of – push the envelope a bit and bring in, you know, something that they might not have already thought of. For instance, we brought in a, a German comedy a couple of years ago called um, Crime Scene Cleaner. And uh, it's been a huge success for us, too. So who would have thunk a, a German comedy? Right. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I look at some of the things from your, from your, uh, your catalog, which, I, you know, they were just wonderful discoveries for me, like Nicolas Lefloche, which, you know, I 
was unaware of, and it was that was a great discovery. Uh, Detective Montalbano, which apparently has been going forever, uh, was never on my radar as well. You know, so these are these are all really really fun discoveries, and and I think that to, at least from where I sit, that's what I think may partly drive it is that once you discover one thing, it leads you to another, and eventually you begin to really trust the MHZ brand. Well, that, that's good to hear. I think the thing that ties all of our properties together, I'd like to think at least, is that these are all very – and this is a function of having these long-running series like Montalbano yeah. and Nicholas LaFlock. You know, it, it gives – you know, you, you have these well-fleshed-out characters. Um, they're highly developed. You get to know them really well. Our uh, Montalbano audience is – they're – they're crazy about him, and yep. they know every little detail. They travel to Sicily to um, visit the locations where these episodes are filmed. Uh, it, it's really remarkable, the attachment that our audience forms with many of these characters. Uh, talk for a second, too, about the, um, the, the nature of streaming versus packaged media. You know, this is a, a debate that goes on constantly, especially with our listeners, is is streaming going to displace it? Are they each going to occupy a different space in the in the marketplace? Are certain things better positioned for streaming and other things better positioned for collectors? And uh, you know, I don't think we really have firm answers to a lot of that yet. How do you guys? You you, you do both, and we you've do. obviously you've obviously reinforced the streaming end of your offerings now. Could you talk a little bit about how that how you see the model and how it affects you? Well, I mean, our DVD sales remain quite strong. They've they've dipped a bit, but I'm surprised and very pleased at how well they have um, they've endured throughout this this time, where they seem to be declining for a lot of people. I think the reason is that we're not everywhere. You know, it's a specialty, uh, it's a specialty product, if you will. So these aren't things that you find in every shop, every place you go. Right. So they're sought after. And a lot of the country doesn't have us over the air, and a lot of the country doesn't necessarily have broadband, and they're not streaming. Um, so, you know, we kind of filled that gap. And interestingly, we still sell a whole lot of DVD, DVD to Netflix. Um, they're still a very big player in the DVD field. So, you know, it is alive and well, not as well as it used to be, but it is alive and well. Um, for us, the streaming is um, a component of the future. Uh, you know, it's a subscription model on MHZ Choice for I think it's eight dollars a month, seven ninety nine a month, and you have access to our complete library of two thousand plus hours, um, and that's going really well. We've never had a week of negative growth. Um, and we're quite pleased about that, and we continue to grow month over month over month. Um, but it doesn't seem to be affecting the DVD sales as much as we thought. What I do find is that the streaming has greatly affected the TVOD sales, so the digital downloads that you might purchase off of um, iTunes or um, Amazon or our site for, you know, as well, but um, it just doesn't seem to have ha had as big of an effect on DVD as it has on the TVOD. That's really, really interesting. 
And uh, how does, you know, MHC Choice is available on just about every device. Uh, You're on Apple TV, you're on Roku, you can watch it on your your Fire TV, uh, Android, uh, your your phone. So do you find that people tend to watch more on one device than another, or is is it pretty much all even across the board? I think the one thing that we I, I see in, in a lot of the customer feedback and inquiries that we get, um, it seems to me everyone is saying the same thing. Is how do I watch this on my TV? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think a lot of people still think of streaming that you have to sit in front of your PC or your yeah. Mac and watch it. Um, but once you know, we do a lot of consumer education and exactly how you go about streaming it and having it appear on your big grand television set um and i think once people get past that then it's it's an easier leap for them to um subscribe and enjoy the subscription service um anyway so uh, i guess i kind of lost my train of thought there well no it's 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 no it's it's fine because the uh, you know the um what i was what i was going for was you know that people consume different kinds of streaming media in different ways and Apple TV is sort of preferred for some people and Roku for for certain other channels some people you know for example Filmstruck when it launched was on Apple TV but not on Roku it took a moment to get on Roku and I think it's still stronger on Apple TV because Apple viewers or Apple users seem to connect more with with their content but you guys seem to kind of cut across all demos I mean it, it seems to be more what you described earlier the typical MHC user being which doesn't seem to be technologically specific. They're sort of more lifestyle specific. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Lance, thank you so much for speaking with us, and uh, we wish you absolutely the best. You guys continue to uh, just find all these great gems out there, and you've opened up a world of international uh, production that I think uh, was was completely hidden to most Americans before. And uh, it's it's been a real a real adventure of discovery just uh you know seeing the stuff that you guys find and release and we look forward to much more in the future so um on behalf of our listeners and us we wish you the very very best and thank you so much for speaking with us and thank you it's been a pleasure and uh, it's a huge labor of love here with everyone at MHZ so very good take care be well bye 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 really really awesome company MHZ uh, wishing them a, a really great Christmas. I, I honestly, and you know, we're not mentioning any of the titles here because they have just so so many titles and uh, and series. And but you definitely go and check them out and um, and and get something for the people who love foreign language uh, foreign language television. It's great. We are now into our our our, our the tail end of the show. Christmas titles and uh, a whole bunch of Christmas animation. Let me, uh, let me just take you right through what's available on Christmas animation this season. Right at the top, this is, this is a really special thing. Uh, they have put the Peanuts Holiday Collection Deluxe Edition out on 4K, 4K Ultra HD, which I never thought I would see. And you know what? HDR makes a total difference. These shows, it, it, it makes you appreciate how well animated these shows were. Uh, it's all you know, hand-drawn animation. It's true to the true to the comic strip, which is what is really beautiful. Is that it? It really has the Charles Schultz look. Yeah. And Charles Schultz is as opposed to that feature film, that Peanuts film. Yeah, the, the CG which was animated CG, thing. All wrong, right out of the box. It just feels like the comic strip come to life. It's so good. 
And this, of course, is the three famous ones, the three that really stand the test of time, Charlie Brown Christmas, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Uh, it's just absolutely beautiful how, how these things look. They remastered them. They completely gave them the, uh, the, the, the big holiday makeover, and it is such a joy to have this. 4K is absolutely worth upgrading. Uh, everything else on, uh, on holiday animation, here's what we got. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, which is, you know, uh, you listen to some Mariah Carey Christmas songs, and then you watch this cute little CG animated story. And uh, it's fine. It's, uh, you know, it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's, it, you're sort of waiting for the songs, but it's, uh, it, it, it's still, you know, it's kind of hard to hate on, on anything that has Christmas theme. Uh, Once Upon a Sesame Street Christmas is just great for the kids. All the Sesame Street characters. Uh, you get the full-length feature of Sesame Street Christmas Carol along with uh, classic clips, you know, Twas the Night Before Cookie and Elmo's Christmas Song. And then a downloadable storybook version of Once Upon a Sesame Street, Sesame Street Christmas. Uh, it's really a really great collection of, uh, of Sesame Street Christmas-themed things with, you know, the Cookie Monster is just such a holiday spectacular. Uh, we went to a, a kid's birthday party recently that was all Paw Patrol-themed. Little boy loves Paw Patrol. That's the best thing about having a kid is going to kids' birthday parties. There was, I'm going to detour for a second. There was a woman there that was doing a science demonstration. Uh, you know, like she combines things and makes smog and fog and oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and the kids are loving all that chemical stuff. Freaked me out. I thought something was going to explode. And then to the point where she shoots off a rocket, I swear I thought we were all dead. Uh, anyway, Paw, pa Paw Patrol, the great snow rescue. Of course, it's snow, so it's seasonal. And uh, what they basically did, they, they took a whole bunch of episodes to sort of give it a bit of a Christmas uh, theme. It's not really, not really a Christmas release, but you know they're giving a good go of it. And if you love Paw Patrol, the kids won't care. You have a kid that loves Paw Patrol, it's all that's all he needs. Uh, Albert, small tree with a big dream, is from Nickelodeon. This is a, an original holiday animated show um, that is sort of, I, I guess, the. Uh, it, it's sort of the flip side of a Charlie Brown Christmas in some respect. You know that sick little tree? Um, well, this is about a little tiny tree that wants to become the most famous Christmas tree there, there ever was. And it's, uh, it's a little Pinocchio-like, and it's a little familiar to, in, in many respects. It's like a lot of those things, but it's, it's good. I think kids will really, really enjoy it. Uh, PJ Masks. Skew's a lot younger. My, my daughter's already far beyond this, so uh, I can't really put this one in the, in the queue. But um, PJ Masks, Hello Christmas. For really, really little kids, I think uh, probably has some cachet, especially if they like you know little pint-sized uh, superhero stories. Elena of Avalor, uh, Celebrations to Remember. This is all engineered to be very, very sort of uh, across the board, not just exclusively Christmas, but anything seasonal. Uh, and this has become a, gr a really huge franchise for Disney. This, she's kind of like, Elena is like part of the princess industrial complex on television. There was first Sophia the First, and then there's Elena. And when you go to Disneyland, like we do often, it's just Elena stuff everywhere. Yeah. Um, happy Holidays, Garfield. This includes Garfield's Thanksgiving and Garfield Christmas special. It's fine. Uh, never that huge a fan of, of Garfield. I, I used to talk about being loving Garfield basically to get on Mark's nerves, but now that Mark is in France, I can, I can admit I'm really not that big a fan of Garfield. Uh, and then uh, Mouse and Mole, A Christmas Time, uh, is really, really sweet animation. 
very, very cool. If you're not familiar with Mouse and Mole, it's it's just really classic, cool holiday animation. It's very warm and it's good. Uh, check it out. Ten bonus stories, also on this, and um, based on the book, by the way, based on the book. And then lastly, here is Mickey Mouse, Merry and Scary. Uh, this is a great holiday collection uh, of the new Mickey Mouse stories. There's a new Mickey Mouse animated thing on television that's a little bit kind of extreme. It's like taking the old classic Mickey Mouse look but putting him into sort of more extreme animation situations. A little bit, it's kind of like cross between classic Mickey Mouse and uh, Ren and Stimpy might be a good way to put it. Anyway, so uh, you get the scariest story ever, a Mickey Mouse Halloween spooktacular and Duck the Halls, a Mickey Mouse Christmas special along with some uh, bonus shorts, and uh, kids will love it, especially boys, because it's, it's manic and crazy and uh, lots of fun. What else do we got, Tim? Well, we got a little Christmas television cheer here from various different Christmas episodes from various different series over the years, right? Nice. Uh, so eight episodes of your favorite uh, Christmas uh, episodes from Frasier. Uh, the Christmas episodes, which it's really funny. I remember every single one of, uh, of these, uh, which is, you know, Frasier is like that. Yeah. You know, it's like Cheers. Uh, you know, they're, they're totally they're, they're simply episodes that are so funny, so well written uh, that they lock into your mind. And, and in, any, in any case, this is just a fantastic little series. There are eight episodes from Frasier. We've got the Honeymooners, of which there was only ever one Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. A Twist the Night Before Christmas. It's a famous episode, yeah. but they only did the one. Uh, so we've got that, plus another five different uh, classic episodes of The Honeymooners. But Twist the Night Before Christmas is on this uh, particular set right there. Uh, a very Brady Christmas, which is like, <laughs> you know... Yeah, the well. Brady's and what maybe the early '90s, maybe the late '80s, might have been the late '80s. No, it had to be the early '90s uh, because you can tell because Greg had that sort of oh, porn yeah. stash yeah. thing going with yeah. you. Know, look, he looked like he looked like a stash, and 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 plus they swapped out. Uh, uh, one of the characters. I don't think that's Eve Plum playing yeah. Jan or something like that. Anyway, in any case, a very Brady Christmas. Uh, what are you, you going to say? You know, the the clothes were bad, the hair is bad, the sweaters are bad, but they're still the Bradys. Yeah. Uh, so we'll check that out. Uh, Sabrina, Sabrina the Teenage Wisp, the Christmas episodes, six Christmas episodes plus one bonus Christmas themed movie. Nice. Uh, Sabrina goes home. So all of that right there. Uh, for TV, pop it over to movies for just a moment. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Look, I was kind of, uh, you know, I only needed the one Home Alone movie, right? I hear you. Uh, but whatever, if you're going to do one, do a Christmas. I, do, I did love, I, what I like most about these movies was Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci. <laughs> That's true. I mean, the kid was fine, Macaulay Culkin yeah. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. But they were, you know, they, they, they were what made these movies. These movies, of course, the late John Hughes, uh, uh, you know, a series of films. Just fan, fantastic stuff, kind of funny. In any case, not a whole lot on this, but uh, there it is for you. George Seaton's Miracle on 34th Street. Still one of the greatest Christmas movies ever. You know, uh, Little I, Natalie Wood, it just doesn't get better. It's the one that I really like, because you know I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that yeah. Frank Capra film. You yeah. Know, I got issues I'm with not, that. I, same here. Uh, but whatever, Miracle on 34th Street is actually a, a perfectly lovely film. Seventh, 70th 
70 years. Oh, man, oh, man, Crazy. oh, man. Uh, Bing Crosby uh, in Irvin Berlin's uh, uh, Holiday Inn. This one's 75-year anniversary, by the way, uh, just that much longer. Feature commentary, though, here from a historian, but also a commentary track from Fred Astaire is on this with Bing Crosby. That's great. So you gotta, you got to get this just for that, if nothing, as, as well as some what the equivalent of music videos, yeah. the sort of singing and dancing sequences you could sort of break out. Yeah. Uh, so that's lovely there. Holiday Inn. Uh, from them, uh, the Carol Burnett Show, uh, Carol's Lost Christmas Episodes. Um, uh, again, fantastically beautiful. Carol Burnett, uh, this show was on from 67 to 78, but it seems like it was on for longer than that. Uh, this show has been off the air for a very, very long time. I, I swear to you, I, I watched every single episode of this show, and it seemed like it was on for 20 years. It's only on for about 10 years. Crazy. Anyway, six lost Christmas episodes here, along with a whole bunch of other interesting tidbits and whatnot. I love the Murdoch Mysteries series, Canadian television series set uh, in the late 1890s. Uh, great. The sort of Victorian area. Yeah. It was uh, all kinds of neat stuff. It's like watching CSI in like 1895. <laughs> or something like that. Very, very clever. Anyway, Once Upon a Christmas, the Murdoch Mysteries. So uh, episode, a couple episodes of the uh, Christmas series there, plus a, bo a bonus behind the scenes featurette uh, six or seven minutes long, so that's a lot of fun too. Uh, the Last Days of Jesus from PBS. Did you see that series? I don't know if I saw. Yeah, that one. it's uh, it, it's fine. I mean, it's uh, it's sort of looking at uh, it, trying to take a historical look at uh, you know the the final days of of uh, Jesus and putting piecing together a story that probably is not you know biblical, but mm. which seems to be more historical. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's good. It's good. So uh, you know, that's as long as since it's Christmas and technically about Jesus, you not <laughs> and not Elmo and uh, you know. So yeah, there's you might might want to throw one of those in there. Um, also got a bunch of original Christmas movies here to make mention of real quickly. This one is Dove Family Approved, uh, Saving Christmas with uh, Ed Asner as Santa once again, Ed. as he as he was already in uh, in Elf. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the idea here is that Santa's a squatter. Uh, it was, yeah, okay, fine. It's sort of, sort of kind of funny, I guess. Uh, that's from the people at Grindstone, who usually do uh, really, really bad Steven Seagal and Bruce Willis action yeah. movies. Yeah. But they make Christmas movies, too, it seems. Cinderella Christmas is, uh, is a, it stars Emma Rigby and Peter Port, whoever they are. And uh, this is from Monarch. It, you know, seriously, I don't know who they are. But, but Monarch does some, does some really sweet stuff. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to denigrate it too much. Uh, and effectively, it's basically a Christmas movie done, you know, with like merged with Cinderella. And it's uh, it, it kind of it kind of works, you know. Um, interesting idea. Surprised nobody else has done it before. Christmas with the Andersons, uh, starring Julie Brown, Christy Carlson Romano, and George Stultz is just kind of a generic family Christmas movie with a little bit of mayhem and a lot of sweet Christmas cheer. And it's fine. Uh, that's also from Monarch. That, uh, you know, kind of, it just needs something to pass the time, maybe play in the background during the Christmas party. Uh, another one from Monarch is uh, A Puppy for Christmas, which is just so, so absolutely cloying and saccharine, and yet, you know what? Damn that dog! <laughs> you can't. You just can't help. It's the it's the dog thing, you know. I uh, it, it's just uh, Christmas and dogs. I'm sorry. It the dog gets to you, and then last, married by Christmas, 
which is a little bit silly, but I, you know, I'll, it's Christmas, so I'll be a little forgiving as well. This is also from Monarch. Uh, this is about a, um, a per, it, there's an executive who has to get married by Christmas or she will basically lose her job. Mm. That's it. So, you know, it's a, I think we all can kind of fill yeah. in the blanks and how yeah. that goes. Yeah. And then, it, look, if you hate Christmas, hey, I got stuff for you as well. If you really, really like hate Christmas, just cannot stand Christmas, here you got three to choose from. The all-time classic Silent Night, Deadly Night. She knows when you've been naughty. Uh, <laughs> and, and will kill you. Yeah, so uh, this is a director Charles Sellier's uh, very, very popular uh, Christmas horror film, which is kind of, you know, it's a slasher film. That's what it is. Uh, it, it, this was very controversial at the time, not so much anymore. Linnea Quigley, who's sort of the all-time great scream queen, is in this. Uh, you get two versions here, the theatrical version and the unrated version. And uh, why not? It's, uh, it's a great bit of, you know, 1980s uh, Christmas sacrilegious gore. There's an audience for it. Then there's also Once Upon a Time at Christmas, the ultimate sleigh ride. S L A Y. Yeah, actually, that box looks pretty. Intense. Yeah. Uh, so uh, th this is um, uh, this this is a little bit more gruesome actually because it's more recent, and uh, it, it it has a. It's like a. It's about a serial killer couple, Mr. and Mrs. Claus. It's 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 a little bit tweaked. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody but people who really have a stern constitution. And then last one, D. Wallace, who really was yeah. just you know she was in E.T. and then she made a whole lot of schlocky stuff. Uh, anyway, D. Wallace is in Craig Anderson's Red Christmas. I love this tagline: "The only thing under the tree is terror." <laughs> Yeah, it's too funny. Uh, yeah, so so D, uh, she basically finds herself, you know. Did she, did she still live around here? See, what she was she what? Did she still live around here someplace? Oh, somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Some, I mean, they all I live around here somewhere. Her. I just used to see her there. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so this is you know they're all they're, they're she thinks she's there with the family, gonna have a nice Christmas in the in you know in the in the house way out in the middle of nowhere, and then uh, somebody shows up at the door. Oh, big mistake. Never answer the door on Christmas. They're not carolers. It's going to be this, this tweaky guy who just walked out of some kind of a sick movie. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a horror film, and it's all set during Christmas. And with that, we are going to uh, go right into Alonzo Duralde, uh, our colleague with mm. the L.A. Film Critics yes. and of the Linoleum Knife podcast. Alonzo is the expert at Christmas. He knows everything there is to do about Christmas movies. It's a tall order because he has to keep up every year and go and see the worst movies. But anyway, here is Alonzo. Hi, everyone. This is Alonzo Duralde with my annual holiday moment for Digigods. Uh, when I was writing my film guide, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas, one of the best parts was getting to discover older films that I'd never heard of before and maybe didn't know were part of the Christmas season. One of those movies, 1944's I'll Be Seeing You, has a brand new Blu-ray release from Kino Lorber. And if it's a film you've never seen before, you'll be pleasantly surprised by how fascinating it is. It's not exactly a noir film, but it does deal with such dark subject matter that uh, you might not immediately peg it as a Christmas movie, but it is a tale of redemption set around the holidays. Ginger Rogers plays a woman who has uh, been sent to prison for murdering her boss in self-defense when he tried to sexually assault her. She gets a furlough for the Christmas season and goes to visit family. On the train, she visits a soldier 
No shit. On the train, she meets a soldier played by Joseph Cotton, who is seemingly yet another GI on his way home from World War II, but actually he's suffering from very severe PTSD and, in fact, is deciding over this Christmas vacation whether or not he can function outside of psychiatric care. These two damaged souls meet, fall in love, and what happens next is up to them and the movie. Shirley Temple plays one of her first adult roles as uh, Ginger Rogers' niece, who at first is very skittish about having to share a bedroom with a convict, but comes to uh, grow into a more compassionate and uh, loving relative as she gets to know Ginger Rogers. It's directed by William Dieterle, and um, again, this is a movie that is suffused with Christmas, and it is about the holiday spirit and the possibility of uh, changing your life and making things better. Um, But at the same time, it doesn't shy away from some very uh, dark corners. If you think that all 1940s uh, Hollywood movies were sort of aw shucks and innocent, this is a film that is not afraid to deal with a deeper subject matter. Anyway, it's a movie that uh, I had never seen before writing the book, and uh, it definitely has made an impact on me. And now there's this great new Blu-ray release. I hope that a lot more people get to see it. Find out about this and other films in my book, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas, now available from Amazon. Happy Holidays. All right, that's right. Have yourself a movie, Little Christmas, terrific book. Uh, and, I, and I hope Alonzo, like, one of these days, he needs to do, like, a second edition of that. Yeah. I'm going to make mention of that. Yeah. Really, really kick that thing up a notch and uh, make it get some more sales. So, anyway, thank you, Alonzo. You, uh, you have, you've, you're an essential part of this show. You're like, you're like the candy in our Christmas stocking. <laughs> uh, and we're going to wrap the show out with some books and then one more interview. And after that interview... The mother of all giveaways. We have one more giveaway. So here are some books. I'm going to go through these as quickly as I can because, you know, we're already, we're around the two-hour mark right now. So uh, we want to give you a real good, a real good run at what some books. Star Trek Technology, T, or Treknology, T-R-E-K, Treknology, right? Star Trek Treknology. The Science of Star Trek from Tricorders to Warp Drive by Ethan Siegel. Ethan Siegel is a professor who has put together this uh, amazing book that actually talks about sort of the, the real technology behind things in Star Trek and how it exists now and how it may exist in the future. This is a really cool book with lots of great photos from the TV show and from the movies. Um, you got to get this. I'm kind of blown away. I thought I was done collecting Star Trek books. Yeah. So Star Trek Treknology, good book. Um, also, by our good friend Charles Solomon, a, a Lafka colleague, uh, we have a couple of books that we also did mention. We, we interviewed him about these books on the on the show some weeks ago. Once Upon a Dream, from Perot's Sleeping Beauty to Disney's Maleficent. This is a terrific coffee table book, all about the history of Sleeping Beauty and any movie to do with Sleeping Beauty. And then Tale as Old as Time: The Art and Making of Beauty and the Beast which is, uh, is all about Beauty and the Beast, the animated film, all the way up to the new live-action film, both absolutely sensational Beautiful books. Beautiful books. Just, you know, so good. lush, great covers, great Fantastic. paper, you know, uh, everything. Yeah. Uh, absolutely everything you need to know uh, about the WWE, the absolutely everything you need to know book. Uh, I don't know if this is everything I need to know about wrestling, but... It's got a lot of photographs of, of guys beating up guys and women beating up women. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of wrestling. That's all I can tell you. Uh, I know there are WWE fans out there. Knock yourselves out. Uh, there's some other really great movie books. 
King Vidor's The Crowd, The Making of a Silent Classic. Uh, this has a foreword by Kevin Brownlow, who, of course, wrote the David Lean biography that I'm so fond of. And um, if you've never seen The Crowd, the King Vidor film, you need to. It's one of the all-time great films. It has influenced so many movies made thereafter. And uh, this, is a, this is a terrific book from Pastimes Publishing on, uh, on the making of The Crowd. Uh, we've also got Styling the Stars by Angela Cartwright and Tom McLaren. This is, uh, this is uh, really extraordinary stuff, taken photographs taken from the uh, 20th Century Fox archives that uh, it's all like costume tests and hair shots and it just, it, it lets you, it's really, it's really a cool collection of photographs that uh, take you just behind the scenes of so many movies and, and you know, there's your actress from, uh, like here's Charmaine Carr from uh, uh, Sound of Music, just modeling a dress, yeah. you know? Beautiful it, photography though, black and white, uh, gloss, look, uh, sort of soft gloss. Audrey Hepburn from Two for the Road, look at that dress, yeah. just modeling her dress. Yeah. It's great, this is all stuff that was just sitting in archives and it's never been published. And it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And remember, all this stuff is going to be on, uh, on cinegods.com. We're going to have a post that will have all this stuff. Uh, Saul Bass, Anatomy of Film Design. This is, uh, this is by um, Jan Christopher Horak. And this is all about Saul Bass. And I used to work with Jan. I have that book. Um, it's yeah. great. Yeah, uh, I think he handles the archive at UCLA. Yeah. Your, your, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think yeah. he still, yeah, I think he does. Anyway, it's great. It's a tremendous look at. Uh, in fact, you introduced me to him at one yeah, point. I at the party. I, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is this is a terrific book all about Saul Bass and his legendary design career when there was no Photoshop. Right. Yeah. This is when you had to do it old school. Um, this is from the George Eastman House. This is an amazing coffee table book. The Dawn of Technicolor, 1915 to 1935. This is, this is one of those coffee table books that you, you leave on the coffee table because people will just look at it and over and over and over. Uh, it is, this is everything you ever want to know about Technicolor in amazing photo reproductions that will just blow your mind. It is so beautiful and you can just look at this thing for hours. Even bigger is Cecil B. DeMille, The Art of the Hollywood Epic. By Actually physically bigger. Physically bigger. This is a giant epic book about a guy who made giant epics. And uh, everything you want to know about his films, all the way from the silent films, the silent Ten Commandments, to the, 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 the full color Ten Commandments in 1956, and everything in between. And uh, it's, it's a, you know, his Cleopatra. I mean, it's, it's a spectacular book. This is really a spectacular book. The design, the concept, the production, the, the distribution, the marketing, everything is in here. It's a huge, awesome book. And if you've been, if you haven't been to Disneyland lately, you need to go because they took the Tower of Terror and turned it into a Guardians of the Galaxy attraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. Yeah, I can't. I can't handle how much fun it is. Uh, it really. So, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is getting a whole new lease on life. Guardians of the Galaxy, creating Marvel's spacefaring superheroes, the complete comics history. Uh, wonderful coffee table book that takes you right into the comic origins of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a lot of fun because I was not that familiar with uh, the comic Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, it's pretty darn close. It's amazing how close uh, James Gunn has kept the, uh, the, the, the stylings and the look of the, sh of the movie. It's really, it hews very closely. So that's a really super cool book. 
And then the last few here, uh, The Art of Ghost in the Shell, uh, which uh, people didn't like the movie, the live action movie. Scarlett Johansson. Fair enough. No. But if you did, it's a good book to get because it, it's, you know, it, there's some pretty great photography in there too. Um, a couple more from, uh, from Disney, uh, which we also reviewed. Want to make sure we, we get these on your uh on your radar for the holiday season, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, The Search for the Lost Disney Cartoons. We interviewed David Bossert, the uh, author of this as well. Make sure that's on your list. Oswald the, is where it all starts. That's the beginning of Disney. These are the, this is all about the lost cartoons. It's a great story. And then we also interviewed Mindy Johnson, who wrote Ink and Paint, The Women of Walt Disney's Animation, which is all about the amazing women who were so essential to the, uh, the birth of Disney animation, uh, the women who were part of that factory process and what they contributed artistically and, and in everything else. It's a wonderful story. So many great, great people there. And then if you got kids, you're going to want to also pick up Catch My Breath, which is a... Uh, this is part of the Walt Disney Animation Studios Artist Showcase series, and uh, this one is for artist Paul Briggs, who's a Disney animator, who uh, got to kind of put his talents to, to, uh, down to paper with this wonderful kids' book called Catch My Breath. It's really, really sweet, beautiful, beautiful uh, drawings, and uh, it's, a great little, it's a great little story as well. It's really, really sweet, and uh, my daughter's going to get this read to her probably tonight. So with that... We are going to now go to our final interview with Michael Rosenberg of Film Movement. And if you've listened to us for any period of time, you know that we love the people at Film Movement and their Movie of the Month Club. They were, such a, they were original innovators in the DVD uh, world, and they've continued to innovate and bring even better films out to market. And um, Michael Rosenberg uh, talked to us for a few minutes about what it is that makes Film Movement so unique and what their philosophy is. And uh, when we come back from that... We're going to have one final giveaway, and then we are going to wish you very well and happy holidays and Merry Christmas and happy Hanukkah and everything else for, the, for at least a couple of weeks uh, while we take a hiatus for our LAFCA grind and then vote on uh, December 3rd. Oh, yeah. And then we'll, we'll be back after uh, December 3rd and, uh, and get our action in order so for a couple of weeks. Movies to watch. Oh, so it's going to be movies, it's so intense. So anyway, here uh, is Michael Rosenberg of Film Movement. It is our enormous privilege uh, to be speaking today with Michael Rosenberg, president of Film Movement, which is, uh, as anyone who listens to the podcast on a regular basis knows, is one of our very favorite uh, DVD and, and Blu-ray companies for a lot of reasons, uh, mainly because they release movies that nobody else thinks to release. They get great titles. They have an amazing library and, uh, and, a, and a fascinating philosophy which predates you, Michael, but I wonder if you could just talk about the, the Movie of the Month Club concept and how that sort of helped build film movement. Sure. Uh, first, before I do that, thank you for having me on the program. It's, it's an honor to be here. Um, so the, the, the company started 15 years ago. We're celebrating our 15th anniversary this year. Uh, the original founders had this idea of uh, bringing films that you couldn't find to movie lovers uh, that that would have you know difficulty finding these kinds of films where they lived. And so they started this idea of the Film of the Month Club, where they would curate the best films that they could get from uh, you know important film festivals around the world, like the Cannes Film Festival, Berlin, Venice, and so forth, and then uh, release them each month uh, to exclusively to club members. Uh, and 
in addition, from the very beginning, also curate a short film uh, to go with the feature film on the DVDs that were sent to club members. So this was the original idea. And although it didn't turn out to be the only thing that the company could do to survive, because in order to survive, the company had to expand and become a full service film distributor that does everything that any distributor does with a film that they acquire from putting it in theaters to selling it to television to selling it to Netflix. Uh, the Film of the Month Club has been a constant throughout the whole 15 years and continues uh, still. And so we, each month we release a film uh, that goes to our film club members before it's available on Amazon, on DVD, or in stores and it's curated with a short film to go with it, um, often additional bonus material as well. And we still are generally acquiring these films from you know, major film festivals, and most of them are award winners or at the very least critically acclaimed, and uh, it's still something we continue. And we should point out, too, that there's a, uh, there's a great deal going on right now for, uh, with a 30% discount for uh, subscriptions as well. So you, you guys have given a, a wonderful gift to anybody who wants to get in on that right now during the holiday season. Yes, we, we, we always push our, uh, our, our film club as a great gift for the holidays because we think it is. Uh, you know, giving, giving uh, someone a, a, a gift where they get a new film on DVD every single month, you know, it's a tangible gift. It's not, it's not an intangible gift. I mean, we also do offer streaming subscriptions as well. Uh, we offer subscriptions that have both uh, membership that has both DVDs and streaming of our film library. Um, but certainly, you know, a DVD is a great physical gift still. Um, and you know, everybody has DVD players, so you can't go wrong giving somebody a gift like that who's a film lover. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, we the one thing that has really been gratifying for me in particular is when you started the film movement classics on Blu-ray, which. Uh, immediately brought to Blu-ray a whole litany of films, the the Kitano films uh, and Billy August's two Palme d'Or winners from the Cannes Film Festival, uh, Pella the Conqueror and The Best Intentions. The Best Intentions had never even been on DVD. And, you know, these are films that have that won the most prestigious festival in the world. And all of this stuff is now part of the film movement library, which is, is just wonderful. How do you, um, you know, Once for Warriors is another one. I mean, so many great films that I've seen over the years, and, and no one else was touching them, and you guys brought them out, and I thank you for that. So, so how, do you, how do you position yourselves in the marketplace? You're obviously competing with companies that are affiliated oftentimes with the big studios, uh, companies that, uh, that might have uh, more resources at their disposal, and somehow you always seem to get what you want, when you want, and you've, you've, you're, you're not sort of picking up anybody else's leftovers. You really have been able to brand yourselves as one of the preeminent uh, uh, companies in the business. So how do, you, how do you position yourself in the marketplace to make that possible? Well, uh, th thank you for the kind words about that. I mean, we started the Classics label uh, because w everybody here is a film lover, and we know there are great films that are out of print, and we wanted to bring those films back, uh, or in some cases introduce them to the U.S. for the first time, which we've also done, uh, and package them properly. Now, of course, you know, anybody doing classic films, you know, the big, the big 
the, the elephant in the room is criterion collection. You know, the criterion collection is the, the no, nobody can compete with them. They're top notch. They take a lot of time to do what they do. Um, they're a big company, and they have tremendous resources and tremendous relationships around the world and an incredible library. But that being said, they can't do everything. And so there are a number of companies that uh, are able to find classic films that, that, that are still available and still need, or they're available to be <laughs> reissued, but maybe they're not available here in North America anymore, and to bring them back. And so that's something we've really enjoyed doing. And we've done, you know, we're basically doing two kinds of classic films. We're doing sort of the classic art house films, like the, the Billy August films you mentioned, the Pelly the Conqueror, um, another um, uh, Oscar winner that we, we have is Antonia's Line by Marlene Gorris. Um, so, uh, we have you know, films by Peter Greenaway so, so that's one section and then we've also been doing sort of more classic cult films and bringing things like uh, Kamikaze 89, the last film that uh, Fassbender starred in right. uh, and the Kitano films you mentioned uh, you know, Hanabi being the most recent one and Violent, Violent Cop, Cop, one of Violent my Point last year um, and then uh, Time to Die, which is a, a, an example of a sort of a cult film that was never released in the U.S. It never had a theatrical in the U.S. It was made in 1966, uh, a classic Mexican Western with a script by Gabriel Garcia Marquez and Carlos Fuentes. So, uh, you know, that's another type of classic film that we like to do. And we have another Western coming uh, next year, which we're very excited about, Sergio Corbucci's The Great Silence which uh, is an incredible Western with Klaus Kinski and Jean-Louis Trintignant. And anybody who's been following Quentin Tarantino knows that this is one of his all-time yeah. favorite Westerns. And so we're, that also never released theatrically in the U.S. And uh, we have a new 2K restoration we'll be bringing out next year. Great. And, and you also released last year Thebe, which I, I, was uh, tremendous, which is basically the Lawrence of Arabia story seen from the other side, which was uh, so well-received by critics, and it's a beautiful Blu-ray as well. And, uh, you know, that yes, was, and that, that, was, that, you know, that's the kind of a good example of a club film, you know, because this is a film that had an award in Venice uh, and had been overlooked by other distributors, and we were very happy to have, have it pointed out to us by by the sales agent for the film, and when we when we saw the film, we said, "Oh, this is tremendous!" Um, and we grabbed it, and uh, it turned out to be the uh, the first time that the company had ever received an Oscar nomination. It was our first Oscar nominated film, so we were really proud of that film. And you know, that's just the, one of the films that club members get, you know, every month. This film, like Thebe, so. Um, yeah, we were very happy about that one. Talk for just a moment uh, before we let you go about the the way that you are uh, changing and modifying and adapting the business model to sort of conform to all this rapidly changing world that we face now where, you know, it's what was for a while DVD and Blu-ray is now getting fragmented and there's streaming and there's downloading and there there are uh, OTT box platforms and there, there just are so many more ways to see movies and collect movies than there have ever been before. How, but yet there's still a demand for DVDs and Blu-rays with collectors. So how is film well, movement finding its place right. in that new world? Well, I mean, the, the company for a number of years has been trying to, to find every possible way we can get our films in front of uh, people who want to see them. So we've, we've been working in the digital space for a number of years, and so you can find our films on Amazon and iTunes. 
Um, uh, a lot of our films are on Netflix. We were an early uh, partner for Netflix when they launched their streaming service. Uh, we were working with Hulu on some some titles as well. Uh, we work with smaller players. We're working with Filmstruck, which is the uh, Turner Classics and Criterion um, streaming service, um, and they've done a lot of our classics. Um, but I think one of the things that that we're finding is that you know there's still a lot of life left in the physical uh, formats, and I think that that people will increasingly need to look, reconsider if they've moved away from those formats because. You know, uh, as companies like Netflix have gotten bigger and bigger, they've also gotten more and more mainstream. And I think you'll find, and this certainly they're telling us this, that, or people have been writing about this, that it's, you know, there are fewer films on Netflix than there used to be. And uh, so I think that, you know, it won't necessarily be that easy to find films on all these streaming services. It's not like, you know, Spotify is for music where you can find almost everything. It, it's never been like that. And I think it'll be increasingly more difficult to find things. It'll be more fragmented. Um, so uh, having films available on DVD and on Blu-ray is still going to be an important way for people to find a lot of these films. Uh, that being said, you know, we, we sell to airlines, we sell to ships, we sell to hotels. We, we try to get films everywhere we can and, and, you know, try to find all the ways we can make money with these films because it's not so easy to do that. So, uh, but so far we've been successful and we plan to continue. Well, you guys do a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, you know, we just recently uh, raved about After Image, which was a film that you guys, uh, you know, gave a wonderful, wonderful release to, and it's, uh, that's out on Blu-ray as well. And, and uh, you know, the, the late Andre Vida did an amazing, his final film. You know, it's really just, that's, that's just an extraordinary film as well and the CC collection. So you just, you just keep uh, amazing us, and we are so grateful you're there. You, you plug a, a vital space in the marketplace, and uh, I think our listeners and our fans will will definitely agree. So thank you so much for all the tremendous and wonderful work that you do, Michael Rosenberg of Film Movement. Um, please keep up the good work, and we will, uh, we will be there rooting for you. Thank you very much, and uh, we plan to do exactly that and bring a lot of great films uh, in the coming years. Thank you so much, Michael. Film Movement, great company. And uh, Tim, you know, uh, that brings us to our final giveaway. You know what that final giveaway is? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We are, courtesy of Film Movement, giving away three annual subscriptions, each valued at $100, uh, for Film Movement. Which is just an extraordinary yeah. uh, value. But if you, I mean, Film Movement, you know, because yeah. we made the move from Criterion yeah. uh, to Film Movement for a reason. Yeah, you know. and and uh, film movement is it's just a, it's a great company. So uh, you get we're going to give away three annual subscriptions, and all you need to do is send us that email to godsdigigods.com, name and address in the body of the email, and uh, put movement m o v e m e n t. Don't spell it weird or anything. Just put movement in the subject line, and uh, by the Monday after Thanksgiving. We will pick three very, very lucky people to be uh, recipients of a complete annual subscription to Film Movement. Yeah. Um, it's great. You're, you're, you're just—it's going to blow your mind. It's—it's going to be the best thing ever. It's like a like a, a movie of the month club, film festival, film school in a box every month. It's great. Yeah. And uh, there it is. So that's it. So here are our giveaways. Just so you can tabulate. Uh, we're giving away the, just send us the email with movement in the subject line. That's for the three annual subscriptions to Film Movement. If you put deadly 
in the subject line, you're going to be in the running for one of the three copies of The Villainous. If you put murder in the line, you're going to say be uh, on, the, on the queue for the uh, Agatha Christie stuff, the uh, volumes one and two and Murder on the Orient Express from Acorn. If you put tonight in the subject line, you're going to be on the, uh, in the queue for uh, The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, Johnny and Friends, The Complete Collection. If you put red in the subject line, you will be entered to win the Red Skelton Hour in Color Deluxe Collection. If you put CMA in the subject line, you will be uh, in the running to win CMA Awards Live Greatest Moments to 1968 to 2015. If you put hope in the subject line, you're in the running for Thanks for the Memories, the Bob Hope Specials Deluxe Collection. And if you put Scott in the subject line, you will be in the running for Overdrive on Blu-ray uh, from Paramount, starring Scott Eastwood, real, uh, real Fast and the Furious kind of action film. And that's it. So we are done. That is our holiday show. Uh, Tim, do you have any uh, final well wishes for the folks? Uh, happy uh, Hanukkah, uh, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa. Uh, what's the one? Diwali. Uh, from, from Diwali. Uh, yeah. Uh, Festivus. I was trying to think of the Festivus. one from that Festivus too. for the rest of us. And we are now going to go out with a track by Charles Billingsley from his new album. It's Christmas time again. Old Mr. Kringle is soon gonna jingle The bells that'll tingle all your troubles away Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag Cause Christmas is coming again He's got a sleigh full, it's not gonna stay full He's got stuff to drop on every stop of the way Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag Cause Christmas is coming again He'll be the prayers that you made through the year you'll get yours if you've done everything you should extra special good he'll make this december the one you'll remember the best and the merriest you ever did have everybody's waiting for the man with the bag cause christmas is here again Troubles away. Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag. Christmas is here again. He's got a stable, it's not gonna stable. He's got stuff to drop at every stop of the way. Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag, cause Christmas is coming again. He'll be here with the answer to the prayers that you made through the year. Extra special good he'll make this December The one you'll remember The best and the merriest you ever did have Everybody's waiting for him They're all congregating 